welcome to the 207th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanformec. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I sometimes talk about older, weird, or cool movies, but I'm currently talking about the Vision Quest storyline from uh, 1989 from John Byrne's West Coast Avengers. So you can see why why did Vision become white for some reason. You know, So you can re- hear all about that. But... If you can't commit, actually, this uh, past week was a great Lake Avengers. It was a little little detour, sidetrack in a Vision Quest storyline. But but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. And um, I want to say, uh, Bryn got me a coffee the other the other day, and uh, I forgot to say thanks on there, but I just... So, Thank you. <laughs> you can't kill crypto. <laughs> so news this week. Well, actually, the episode. What are we talking about? Free Guy is a movie feature. I, I loved it. So I'm just going to say that right now. I, I, I enjoyed that so much. I had a big smile on my face. And I really needed that. It just made me feel good and everything. But then shortly after it, I'm like, oh, man, back to back to life. Um, other things, uh, Titans uh, is, is, has returned. I'm, uh, HBO dropped three episodes. I'm going to talk about two, I think, because, uh, yeah, maybe three. We'll see. Uh, CW shows, DC, Legends of Tomorrow is back. Uh, Superman, crazy episode is back and then star girl has returned season two is now on the cw instead of uh dc whatever it was called before you can hear about rick and morty uh the, the almost season finale not not quite you can hear about uh the bad batch which uh that was the season finale i believe i'm, I'm so uh, confused i'm backwards i'm going all over what if the first episode uh that happened i don't know why i'm listening or anything and you can hear a little bit about uh Reservation Dogs is a new show on, on FX and Hulu. It's produced by Taika Watiti. I think he's a co-creator and everything like that. So all this stuff and more. But with news, um, nothing... I don't know if there's anything like really like huge. But a big thing, kind of big thing, Chloe Bennett is leaving Powerpuff Girls, the, the pilot. Cause, so they're reshooting the pilot. They, they shot a pilot, which we'll probably never see. They'll tr- probably try to make sure we never see it, but who knows. And uh, so did they, the CW is like, yeah, it's a little too campy or whatever or something. So let's, let's, you know, once you try it again, but Chloe Bennett had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. So what could that be? Because I don't think she's announced, you know, what else she might be working on. And of course, probably like uh, most of us are like, could it be hopefully something, you know, Daisy Johnson, Quake, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. related? Like, will she be in uh, Secret Invasion or anything? And, uh, man, that, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, I mean, I know I'm I'm one of them, but there's just this whole thing about how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't canon, isn't part of the MCU, and it's just, like, such a huge insult. And, I mean, unless they have, like, major plans... <sighs> So just, you know, whatever, if they want to say that's multiverse stuff, just you can still have, uh, you know, Daisy Johnson and these other characters. So 
we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but it's probably going to be like something else. So who, who knows? Um, I'm not going to hold my breath. But as much as I, I would love to see her return as Daisy. So maybe someday. Um, Doom Patrol Season 3 trailer has dropped. So that is now coming out September 23rd. We finally have a, a date for that. So that is, um, that, that's really cool. Um, other trailer, <laughs> Night of the Animated Dead. So I mentioned this, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. And I posted the box art on entertainmentfish.com, but the trailer has dropped, and I'm I'm interested. I'm in- intrigued. The, the animation style is kind of interesting. It it almost looks a little retro in a way, and you know, because it's like the colors now, from what I recall, seem like the colors were a little more subdued versus like super bright and everything. You know, like that's kind of like what you have these days, and. Um, I, for looking at the trailer, it looks like it's pretty faithful, like an adaptation. So, you know, the main thing is I'm really curious why, you know, what was the reason for this? And, you know, there doesn't have to be a necessarily like reason for why. But if you're just going to do like a straight adaptation but animate it, I mean, I feel like you know they, they should do something. And, you know, maybe they can, you know, add more to it or just do, you know, some things that couldn't be done and, and, you know, because the movie's already been remade in, in the 90s, right? So it's like, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm really curious to, to see that. So we'll have to see. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, little not sure. Um, but also with the Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, because uh, that, that's who's releasing Night of the Animated Dead. Uh, Superman the Animated Series is coming to Blu-ray in October, October 12th. I guess that's the 25th anniversary. How is that possible? And all 54s. 54 episodes are going to be included. They're all remastered from like the 35 millimeter print or whatever and cleaned up and be in original format and everything like that. So that's going to be really cool uh, because the, the, those show, like Batman and that, they're, they're just great shows. Um, the Alien TV. I don't know why I'm kind of rushing. I, I feel like I'm rushing, but why dawdle, right? Uh, an Alien TV series that I've mentioned. Uh, it's going to be on FX that is apparently coming out in 2023. So they're going to scout locations and different... Pl- Actually, I think it's all on Earth, so I don't have to go out to other planets. But uh, yeah, I say, you know, take your time. You know, don't rush it. I don't know what, why... This is the other thing. It's like, why are you doing an Aliens TV show? I mean, you got to you gotta be careful. You know, just just because you have the license to do it, it's just you got to do it right. Because um, don't, you know, don't mess it up. Because that's that's not going to make people happy. Venom, are you excited for Venom? Let there be carnage. Um, actually, before uh, have I mentioned I I hate carnage. <laughs> I really don't like carnage. Um, carnage is like my nemesis, my podcast nemesis. Right? Is there anyone that I hate more than than Venom? <laughs> maybe maybe it's a uh, killing Alfred or Crypto. <laughs> um, uh, so carnage. Let there be carnage is uh being delayed it's being pushed to october 15th and uh the reason is with with all the the delta uh variants covid mutations and i mean this is why you need to wear a mask this is why you need to get vaccinated i know some people are like i they don't believe in it everything like that but it's it's like it's the the interesting thing you know I, i saw like someone mentioned where you know some people don't trust the doctors are, you know, sign, you know, people are saying get vaccinated, but then they'll get COVID-19 or they'll get sick or whatever. And then they go to these doctors that are saying you should get vaccinated. So it's like, if you don't trust them when they say you should get vaccinated, why are you trusting them when you get sick? 
And, you know, I, I know there, there's other reasons like that. You know, I'm not trying to turn this into a political, you know, this or that or whatever. But, you know, things are happening. Like, in a, I, I read, like, in Florida, like, four teachers died. Like, day one from COVID, not day, necessarily day one or whatever. And three of them were unvaccinated. And the fourth, they weren't sure at, at when I read about it. So, man, you know, we, we need to get over. We're, we're, we're getting there. And things are, like, starting to get bad again because... People aren't being careful. But anyways, so Venom is being pushed back because people are now like, I'm seeing a lot of people are like, I'm not going to you know, the movies. Like, you know, Free Guy is not streaming anywhere. And they're like, well, I'm not going to see it. I don't feel safe. I do feel safe in my theater. I feel like my theater is, you know, they, is clean. Yeah, I know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, my my perception of clean. But also it's, uh, you know, we're, we're distanced, you know, the, the, we got the big reclining seats. The theaters are never like jam packed. So I've never sat next to anyone. And, um, you know, I wear my mask, you know, when I'm in the theater and everything and then take it, if I get popcorn, I'll take my mask off. So I'm feeling okay. I'm a, I'm a little cautious, you know, I, I'm, I won't, I won't lie, but this is a problem. You know, we, we need to we need to get over this. So Venom is being pushed back. But the problem is October 15th. That's the same day that Halloween Kills is coming out. Um, and also 20th Century Studios is releasing Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. I don't know anything about that. How do I not know anything about that? So um, that's going to be some competition there. Um, but for me, since I'm not sure what The Last Duel is, it's like uh, Venom or Halloween Kills. As much as I love Tom Hardy... I kind of would, I'm more interested in Halloween than Venom. Not necessarily that it's going to be a better movie. It might be a better movie. That's going to be tough. And now that school's back in session, I don't think I can do both in the same week. So one, there might be a delay. Anyways, um, Lucasfilm is supposedly interested in, or they're looking into casting a live action uh, Sabine Wren from, for the Ahsoka TV show. So Sabine was an awesome character in Star Wars Rebels. And, um, there's a bit of a controversy, whatever, because, you know, a lot of people are like, why don't they let the voice actress voice her just like, uh, um, what's her name that did, uh, uh, did what's her name in The Mandalorian? You know who I'm talking about, right? And and some people are, are it's a race thing, because I think she's she's from India. So some like there was one comment, someone like, like, she can't be cast. She's not Asian. She's from India or she's Indian. It's like, um do you know where India is located? Um, so, anyways, I just I I'm not really familiar with with the voice actress, but from like the headshots that I saw, it's like I, I think she could do it, you know, and just you know change her. I mean, the hairstyle doesn't even matter. She could have longer hair, shorter hair, or whatever, and because you know it's this time. But we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited that uh, she's going to be back. And Lord of the Rings, are you excited for Amazon's Lord of the Rings? I am not super excited right now. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm gonna watch the heck out of it, um, oh, but they're probably gonna drop all the the season at once. Don't do that, man. But anyways, so I guess they're already working on season two, even though the first season isn't coming out until September 2022, so like a whole year from now. But they're moving production from New Zealand to the UK. I think part of it is you know so like actors can be closer to home and different thing like that even though they got like a huge tax break in new zealand but there's just a little logistics whatever and and i i was i wonder about like location you know maybe that's another thing and you know whether where the story is going to be at at season two since i'm not sure but so there you go 
but they they're like thanks New Zealand for everything because you know a lot of people they're so I want I would love to love to go New Zealand some someday I, I really it just looks like such a gorgeous country it's Bob Chepik CEO of Disney um, I'm not going to get too much into it, what he has to say but anyways he he mentioned uh, he announced Disney Plus Day is going to be November 12th so I guess they're just going to talk about like all the upcoming Disney Plus stuff. So, um, you know, maybe we'll see some footage from, like, Hawkeye or Boba Fett or, you know. So we have that to look forward to. Because last year they did that, like, Investor Day. So I, I think it's supposed to be something similar to that. But just talking about Disney+. Plus. Um, speaking of Disney, Brie Larson has confirmed that the Marvels has begun production. And um, also Sam Jackson, whether he's going to be in the Mar- Pride, he's going to be in the Marvels. But he posted a, I think it was on his Instagram, that like the the mustache and the, the whatever the his facial hair, you know, prost- fake prosthetic facial hair, <laughs> and everything like that. So he's he's probably gonna be back for that. Um, I mean, I don't think yeah, because I don't even know when Secret Invasion's starting, but I think we're assuming that he's gonna be in, in the Marvels, which he should be. Um, Idris Elba, uh, he has gonna be the voice of Knuckles. And Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So, okay. <laughs> That'll be interesting. We don't have any Munsters news, but we do have some sort of Adams Family. So, Netflix is doing that show Wednesday. It's supposed to be a Wednesday Adams show, which, okay, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you know, I guess she's the star of the show, which that's cool because, you know, she's an interesting character. But they've, uh, so I think last week I mentioned, did I mention this last week? Because I think, who was it, Eric Guzman? Gom- is going to be, anyways. Um, they've they've announced Morticia Adams. I feel like I've said this already. It's Catherine Zeta Jones. Maybe that wasn't. I don't know. Anyway, she's going to be Kath. She's going to be uh, Morticia Adams. So, but no, I say I'm, I'm too. I, I always preferred the Munsters over to Adams Family. Um, in case I never mentioned that before. And then some some comic news. So Substack. Have you heard of Substack? A lot of creators are going to Substack, and I'm not a hundred percent clear on what it is. Substack seems to be like a digital outlet place. And I, I know a lot of creators are using, I, I don't know if they're using Substack for their newsletters. So a lot of, a lot of creators are, are have newsletters because, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't even know who I'm subscribing to, but I know like James Tynan, um, Chip Zdarsky, Scotty Young, um, just a few. So people, but now like a lot of creators are doing uh, like paid subscription, like subscriptions. So you could um, get like a premium subscription to the newsletters and you get like more information. You might get like early access. You know, I, I think like Scotty Young says you might get, get to read comics for free or, you know, they might do like drawings or, you know, you might get like with, with the artist with like Scotty, like maybe like first dibs on buying art, you know, and just different things like that. And also uh, in I think it was a in, in Scotty's newsletter that they're going to be doing a they're giving doing a giveaway for a gentle giant uh with basically the scotty young statues which they don't call them that but it's it's like a signed one and it's going to be a random but it's only for the premium people and you know so they all charge different different amounts but uh like some creators like you know james tynan he was like the the big one that this it's he kind of seemed like he got the got the the ball rolling on this because then other people started talking about it or i mean this is the first i heard of it and i, I know it's it's it been out there before because i think uh actually oh no i t- you know, kind of take that back because i think scott snyder is using um substack also 
for digital and then he mentioned that his comics will be coming out through they'll be printed through dark horse like later or something like that so james tynan you know in his newsletter he mentioned that you know it was time to kind of re-up his his contract at dc his exclusive contract and um you know he kind of thought about it and everything like that but then he's just like i you know i don't know i don't know if i want to do that and you know, because he's looking at as much as he, he, you know, he's he loves you know what he's doing, and he's he's going to be working stuff for like beginning of like I think April or January next year or something. I forget what it was. You know, just like finishing up like Batman and uh, you know uh, Nice House on the Lake and and stuff. But he he kind of realized that you know he can do his own stuff, and by going through Substack, he has total control, so he can do whatever the heck he wants with these comics. Now the thing is, by doing it digitally that takes out like a lot of the overhead you don't have to worry about the the printing costs but then when you get money from that then you know then you can probably pay to print make more money etc etc but the the other thing is by by doing it this way it's like he can print it wherever he wants he can make whatever deal he wants because substack is all about creators they don't take i don't know how it works you know so it's almost like image i believe you know i was told years ago so i don't know if this has changed and i don't know if this is anyways i'm gonna say it because who's listening <laughs> yeah. yeah but i was told by a creator like so again this is like like several years ago that and this this could be like i said this could change i don't know why i'm, I'm tiptoeing i don't feel like this is like an industry secret i don't know if it is but basically i think if i understand if i remember correctly that to print to, to launch a series through image you have to you need like eighteen thousand dollars or so up front you know to, to do the printing costs and get all that stuff rolling and then, you know, once you have your book that's going to be scheduled, then you put out the, the orders through Diamond, you know, the comic shops, and then they order, and hopefully they'll order enough that will, you know, be more than the 18000 or whatever the, the initial deposit is. And then, because I, I think that that may be for, like, printing, I'm assuming, because I don't know how printing stuff works, but I'm assuming for, like, the printing plates and, you know, whatever, I envision, like, these big, the big things of paper, you know like the old timey print whatever so then you know once you get that then whether you're going to print you know 25,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 it's probably not that much more expensive you know when you add it you know cuz it's just like you order anything you know a lot of times it's like you get a bigger deal if you order more and you know so i think that's how it works and that's why some creators go through kickstarter you know even even though it may be published through uh image because I, I think that's what scott snyder and tony daniel did you know noctera was went, went through kickstarter it's being published through through image so maybe it's just to get that ball rolling and then you go from there so i think that's the idea with substack where you know you make your money digitally and then you can pay to print it without having to take a loan or do you know do a kickstarter or anything like that it just you know avoids that because even with kickstarter there's no guarantee and you know it's just a lot of work and hassle and stress i don't know but uh, yeah, so a bunch of creators are, are are talking about going to Substack. So that's um that that's it's kind of interesting. And you know what does that mean? And I does that mean like they're moving away from Image? That a lot of these it sounds like you know a lot of these creators and and books would have gone you know been published through Image. Maybe they still will. I mean, who knows? So that's that's my concern is um you know the accessibility and. So we'll see, but 
you know, if this works for them, that that's great. But, you know, I know it sounds like James is excited. You know, he has all these ideas he wants to do and he just wants to do creator own. And and I say, you know, that's, that's great. It's going to be unfortunate because, you know, you, you love seeing these big creators, you know, James on Batman has been awesome, but you know, sometimes some creators, they can really cut loose when they, when it's, when it's their own property, their own character, you know, they, they can do that. They just don't have that name recognition. So it's like, you want to play in the, the big publishers sandbox as they call it. Cause like, if you create your own character, it's not going to be as, as well known, like not terror using that as an example, people, you know, Obviously, people know who Batman is, and you know the general whatever populace. They're like, "Who's Noctera?" Even though it's you know Scott Snyder, you know. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see you know if more more uh, creators go there and everything. And uh, so yeah, good luck to them. Tom Taylor is uh, so it's announced. I don't really know a lot of information about this. Uh, I was I was hoping I'd get a press release from this, but I I didn't. So, which is why I didn't post about it on entertainmentfish.com. But uh, so he's been kind of teasing this big DC project, and it's, you know, he's it's like it's not DC's, but it's like it's other continuity type of thing. So it's called uh, Dark Knights of Steel, and it's going to be 12 issues. Uh, so Tom Taylor writing, Yasmin Putri is doing the art, and it's basically like medieval time. It's a DC characters, sort of like Game of Thrones, dragons, swords, and, you know, stuff like that. We'll see. Okay. I mean, I love Tom Taylor. So if, if, if it wasn't Tom Taylor, I'd be like, why? You know, it, it just sounds like an Elseworld story, which I guess it is. But because it's Tom Taylor, you know that there's going to be some, you know, banana, crazy, awesome stuff happening. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. And then uh, the other uh, bit of news, which I, I'm going to talk more about this later with, when we get to the comic books. Tim Drake. <laughs> You probably heard a lot of a lot of, maybe you've heard in the news about Tim Drake. He apparently is uh, just get cut to the chase. It's not really spoiler anymore because it's out in the news. Tim Drake is bisexual, which is fine. My question is, has he always been? And I am not you know an expert on this, so I I don't know if there's ever been any hints of it. You know, any if anyone's ever written anything, if there's ever been any any signs or hints or anything like that. Like I, I said, I'll get more into this when we, we get to the issue. The way I look at it is when you're, you take an established character, then all of a sudden you're changing. Because this is a huge part of him. I mean, in some ways, is him is Tim being bisexual going to change how awesome of a Robin he is? No, not at all. Not one single bit. You know, he's still going to be, you know, a kick-ass detective, crime fighter, you know, kicking people's butts and everything. But... Just this other part, I mean, it's a huge part. You know, your sexuality is a big part. You know, that's who you are. That's that's your... I mean, I, th- I would think... Yeah, right? Do you agree with me? Can someone give me an amen? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's you know, defines who you are. And... Or does it? I mean, does it really? Do, I mean, it's, it's not like all of a sudden he's like, you know, an alien or, you know, it's, it's not like something drastic like that. But... It's just, it's, you know, we never got any, and, and I know, because again, or I don't know, because again, I can't speak on this, but this is, you know, a lot of people are in denial about it because, you know, society dictates certain things or, you know, just a family, you know, they're not understanding or compassionate or, you know, whatever. It could just be that he was in denial and just wasn't admitting it to himself and, you know, just trying to ignore it, just like supposedly Iceman 
was doing all these years. But anyways, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll talk more about that in just a bit. Because uh, with that, I'm pretty sure that is going to be the news for the week. All right, let's talk comic books at Image. We had Ordinary Gods, number two. So this is a book by Kyle Higgins and Felipe Watanabe. Yeah, I don't know how to describe this book. So, Okay, so the synopsis, it says, Do you remember the Tower of Snow? This is something that comes up. 24 hours ago, Christopher Becker was living a perfectly normal life. Today, plucked from his home, his old life is in ruins. He'll learn the incontrovertible truth about the world and his place in it. And then he'll remember the Tower. So basically what's going on here, Ordinary Gods, the, the idea is... So that this Christopher Baker kid, you know, he this is kind of spoilers for the first issue, but you know, he thought he was a normal kid, but it turns out there's a little bit more within him that he, that he didn't realize, hence the ordinary gods and something that is kind of like awoken and it just kind of changes everything. Like there is this like religious uh group, you know, handing out pamphlets at the mall or whatever, and and you know, he thought it was just like some weird hokey religion thing but it turns out there's a little bit more to it than that and he uh after things kind of don't go so well at his house um this other something else happens he like awakens and like in this this weird place and you know they, they try telling him more the story and it's like a you know he so to keep asking like do you remember the tower of the snow and stuff like that and then you know, he finally well actually i'm saying too much about it but it's it's an interesting book and um you know it's it's this is the, the nice thing about these creator-owned books where, you know, it's a whole new world. We have all these new characters and, you know, there's no telling what's going to happen. And so it's a, it's definitely wor- worth, you know, looking into. There's also uh, this week was Silver Coin number five. So this issue, so each, each one of these issues, you know, art is by Michael Walsh. And, it, you know, these are all like one-shot stories. And, you know, there's like a definitely like a creepy horror vibe to it and everything like this, you know, silver coin, you could say is cursed or whatever, you know, the, the good stuff is not going to happen. So, you know, we, we've seen, you know, several different writers uh, like Ed Brisson, um, Kelly Thompson, um, Jeff Lemire, you know, there's been, you know, different writers with the, each issue. This one, it's it's uh, all by Michael Walsh. He writes it and and he draws it. And it's it's interesting. So you know, it, if you look on the cover, you see uh, like the Puritan time. I don't know. I don't know if they tell us the year in, in this, but there's you know, it's it's kind of like a, you know the story that you 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 kind of know where where things are going to go. You know, someone is someone a witch and stuff like that. So you know, there's this dude on the cover. You see, he's carrying like a Bible. So it's it was it was a good story it, and just the art and you know Michael Walsh's art. So this is a tricky thing. Like. I, I do this sometimes where, you know, when after I read or sometimes while I'm reading a comic, I, I think it's like, what if someone else drew this? And, you know, sometimes it's hard to imagine. And it's like, you don't even want to think about it. Because, like, with, with this story, if someone else were to draw it, I don't know if they would capture the vibe just right. Because to me, and you know, for, for my enjoyment, it's... It, it's Sometimes it's, it's a tricky, you know, there's this, like, thin line between looking just right and just coming across as i don't want to say too artificial or whatever but you know with with the colors you gotta you know get it right because otherwise it just it doesn't come across as what it's trying to convey you know the mood or whatever it's, it just it looks like just a bunch of drawings and you know color drawings so i i think you know 
Michael Walsh, you know, I've always loved his art, you know, superhero stuff or just whatever stories he, he's done. And I just think, you know, he's he's just got like this knack for this. And I, I'm looking for I'm glad that this is continuing. You know, I can't wait for for more of this. Then there is a, a book that I'm just I'm really digging this six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. So this is the third issue. I mentioned this last week in the Skybound X issue five. There was like a short story. And the, the funny thing is they actually reference it in this one because there is a you know, incident with Trigger Keaton and a monkey on, on a set of, of the show that he worked on. So the, the story here is Trigger Keaton. He's this awful, awful actor, like a kind of like a, a white dude, uh, martial arts you know, actor. And he was like in all these different shows and movies or whatever. And he was just like such an ass. He was, you know, he harassed women. You know, he, he was, you know, trying to hook up with everyone and just, he was just rude and insulting to everyone. And he died. It's, you know, did he kill himself or was he murdered? And, and so that this idea of the six sidekicks, you know, these are different kids you know they're now adults or whatever who worked with him on various things and had to put up with his stuff and and they think you know he was killed and you know they're trying to look into it so so here we're introduced to the the sixth person and uh she's a great character i i just love seeing because you know when we, we see all these different uh sidekicks whatever we kind of see like some flashbacks to like the show or whatever they were on and you know like what their story is and how awful trigger keaton was to them so her her character is uh is 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 really good so this is just a, a really i i just i'm just adoring i'm loving this comic just the, the combination of art and the story it's just it's it's perfect you know it's it's so you should be reading this so so track down all three issues if, if you're you know looking for physical or just you know get them on comiXology or wherever you you know you get buy your digital comics because it's, it's just this is I'm really enjoying it, so you should be reading that. As far as Boom, so last week I mentioned that you know I I didn't read uh, Seven Secrets number eleven, so I did read it this week, and it's this is a, another book that you should be reading. So Tom Taylor, uh, you know, does this, and uh, the the art, you know, I always forget to mention the art. The art is by um, Danielle Di Nicolo. This is the reason why I shouldn't be saying because I can't pronounce people's names because I'm, I'm a dope. But this is just such a good book. And um, if you were to pick up issue 11 as your first one, y you would be doing such a disservice to yourself because you'd be like, what is going on? This is just such a, a really good book. And and if you haven't been reading it, you need to go back, You know, get the get the issues or get the trades, do whatever, because this is just really it's a really good, cool story. And, and the art is just great. You know, there's the, the seven secrets. So, you know, there are different secrets are kept in these uh, briefcases. And, you know, one person's a carrier, the other person kind of like defends, you know, the, the, the person carrying it. And these are huge, devastating secrets. Uh, so, you know, I don't even want to give away what happened. Yeah, I, I probably mentioned it when one secret was kind of used. There's a, a lot of twists and turns. And in this issue, there's a. It's just talk of a betrayal. You know, we've already seen you know betrayals happening, and it's it's. I'm I'm just loving this book. I'm so glad that we have this, and you know, this is one that I didn't start reading from the beginning, and it's just, it's like a no brainer. You know, Tom Taylor. You know, he's he's just doing a great job with everything. So you know, you really should be checking it out. Then there's also Eve um, issue four that that came out. So so this book, um, this is by Victor Lavelle, the art is by Joe Mi Guiyang. 
And the story here, so how do I describe this, you know, since we're in issue four, this girl wakes up like in this uh, kind of like this tube thing, whatever, you know, she, sure, she lived, spent her life in like this VR world and she's greeted by like this robot in the form of this teddy bear that, you know, she grew up with. And, you know, she finds out that the world has kind of, kind of gone to hell or whatever. And, um, you know, there's like some virus or there's something going on there. And, um, what we're, we're slowly seeing is that when people hit, turn into adults, when they hit puberty, they kind of evolve into these like kind of like zombies or whatever so her dad was uh supposedly out in space but when all this happened and you know so she's awoken you know she has to try to find her dad or save the world or whatever and um the the last issue she came across this other girl who she's and it's like she looks like her it's like is it her sister and she's like no i'm you so when you get this it's like wait what what does that mean so they have a conversation. We find out more here, and um, I'm saying way too much about this, but it's a, it's just it's an interesting story, and and um, this was a, a the stuff that's that's mentioned here is 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 pretty nuts, like stuff that I wasn't really expecting. So, um, you should yeah, you know, like I keep saying, you know, you should be reading this, you should be reading this, but this is a pretty pretty nuts. So so. Yeah, you you should be reading that. Um, what else came out this week was a uh, GI Joe Real American Hero two eighty five, which again I'm not. Re- I someday I need to get caught up on these. But this is a Murder by Assassination Part Five. It's the explosive finale. Now, so here's a question. I don't know if, if you're listening. Are you reading GI Joe? Can I? Will I be able to just jump into two eighty six, not having read in forever? Because, you know, there, there's that big eight-part story or whatever that I wanted to read. Um, so will I be able to just jump back into it? Or will I be doing myself a disservice by not trying to back up at least, you know, a, a few story arcs? Because I really want to, you know, start reading it again. You know, especially since, you know, Larry Hama's reading it. And I don't know, if, if you're reading it and uh, you're listening, <laughs> let me know if, if I can read the next issue or, or you know, because eventually I will get caught up. I know I keep saying that. Okay, then at DC, so we had uh, Infinite Frontier issue four, and you know th- this is so I'm I'm enjoying this this book. The hard part is if because it feels like there's just so much going on, and you know all this stuff about the multiverse. As I've mentioned, been mentioning, you know I don't know how I feel about the general populace being aware of the multiverse. You know I think that's. I think that that can be kind of nuts because, as I mentioned, you know, if, if someone does something, and then you can be, oh, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. That was uh, must have been an you know alternate me from another Earth that somehow came here, and you know, it's like I didn't rob that bank. I didn't cheat on my taxes, or <laughs> I don't know what. So it's a uh, definitely um, it, it's weird. So you know, we're, we got the story going on. You know, President Superman because you know he came across uh, Thomas Wayne from flashpoint and so they're, they're kind of like working together and, and then there's you know stuff with director bones and um what's her name is it abby chase is her first name abby and uh you know they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on and um there's also the mystery of what happened to jade and the others and power girl and you know all, all them and you know with uh roy harper and having the black lantern ring so there's there's just a, a lot going on here and and it's it, you know, there's there's just this threat, this hint of you know something really bad, really big that's that's happening, and 
So it's a little unsettling as you're reading it, but you know that's the point because otherwise it would be kind of you know if everything is nice and smooth or you know there's there's no story there. So you have that. Uh, Batman eighty nine number one also came out. So this, um, I what I will say, I, I I did like this first issue. I didn't like over the moon love it. You know, I wasn't like oh my goodness. But it is. It was, you know, a nice to to go. But it's it's a first issue. You know, I I'm not faulting anyone involved with this. At, you know, just I think you know you need to kind of pull people back in, remind them what's going on, and it doesn't. You know, wouldn't make sense to just have explosive first issue or whatever. I, I know it could be done, but I you know so I, I do agree with how this was handled. But you know, we we see Harvey Dent, and you know we're seeing. This is like some time after, you know, Batman and Joker had their, their fight or whatever. And we are seeing people in the streets are kind of like gravitating to each of the two, you know, people dressed like Batman, other people dressed like Joker or whatever. And uh, so basically uh, Harvey Dent, he's, he's anti-vigilante, he's anti-Batman. That's kind of a problem because obviously the commissioner, you know, he's working, you know, wants to work with Batman and all that. But also what is a kind of an interesting move, you know, I don't know if this is too much spoiler, but... Well, I'll just say Harvey is dating Barbara Gordon. And, you know, so Barbara's father is a commissioner. And, you know, there, there's that, you know, where is her loyalty is going to lie and, and so forth. And um, we get introduced to another character, which when I first saw this, I wasn't really sure who this was supposed to be. But then if you've seen like the the character designs in the back of this week's issues, there's like a spoiler. It's like, oh, that's who that is. I wasn't really sure who that was supposed to be and I won't go into any details. So, so I was a little upset that, I mean, maybe it was super obvious and I just missed it, but I wasn't aware because, you know, I don't read any solicits or interviews or, you know, if I can help it. So you, you find out about that, but it's, you know, if, if you love Batman 89, you know, you're going to want to check this out because it is, it is cool. I, I like that they're doing this. They're going back and I'm really looking forward to, you know, the Superman 78 also coming out. So, you, you might want to look into those. Um, Batman, The Adventure Continues. So this is like the animated series. So issue three, season two, issue three came out. I'm I'm still behind on that. So I didn't um, pick up this issue. But, you know, you might want to look into that if you are caught up or, you know, have been reading those. So Wonder Woman um, 777, I, I didn't read this. Um, I Actually, I, I was going to read this because she's going to, where is she going to? She's going to Earth 11. And, you know, because I looked at the preview pages and I was like, oh, because, you know, she's, she thinks like, oh, I'm finally back on Earth. And then, you know, this is from the preview pages. And then she's like, oh, Ms. Martian, I like your new costume or whatever. But it's not Ms. Martian because if you know about Earth-11, Earth-11 is where all the genders are reversed. So that was really Martian Manhunter, but it's a woman and and so forth. And, you know, she's like, I'm Wonder Woman. And they're like, she's like, who are you? But the the nice thing about it is, you know, rather than... um, which I again, I this is just I'm basing this totally on on the previews because I, I I forgot to read this, um, but the the nice thing about it, she's like, yeah, go ahead, you know, read my mind or whatever. So rather than have any like silly hero fighting hero, you know, thing like that, where she's like, no, I'm Wonder Woman, or like, who, no, you're not, or whatever. So she, you know, she reads her mind and then you know she says like, oh, you're not where you think you are. So. You know, we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, I got to read that. Detective Comics 1041. Here, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really digging like what's going on here because the, the interesting thing is, 
um, you know, I wasn't super crazy about it, but the idea of of Batman, of Bruce Wayne losing, I still, I, I don't fully understand why he lost his fortune and how Lucius Fox has it and is keeping it and, you know, how that works. So because, you know, Bruce lost a huge chunk of his fortune, you know, he's still rich. Um, you know, maybe he's a millionaire, not a billionaire or whatever. So he's ha- he has to cut back on on his gadgets and stuff like that. So the nice thing about that is it, it means we're getting Batman closer to his roots, you know, because Batman sh- shouldn't have all the, yeah, you know, where does he get those wonderful toys type of thing, but he shouldn't have these like crazy, like just ridiculous high tech, you know, unheard of gadgetry or whatever. So it's kind of nice that, you know, he has to scale things back and, you know, him being in living in a city in a brownstone and, you know, having a, a micro cave in the sewers, you know, that, kind of makes more sense than him living way out on the outskirts of town at Wayne Manor and having to drive there every time, you know, something happens. So, it, you know, it's been good. But then we have this um, dude, I keep forgetting Mr. Worth. You know, he's like obsessed with, uh, you know, he thinks Bruce Wayne is guilty because his daughter was killed and he blames, you know, Batman for protecting Bruce Wayne and all this stuff like that. And it's just totally ridiculous, totally over the top. This dude's like siding with Penguin now and, he blew up the police station where when Bruce was arrested, which is just ridiculous. His micro cave like was kind of stumbled across, so then it was like it self destructed. So Batman like lost all his stuff there. Someone burnt down his his brownstone, which sucks because <laughs> because Bruce Wayne is innocent, so he doesn't have anything. So the big thing that happens here, and I I, I posted a little short article about it, is Batman has you know he needs a costume. And, uh, you know, Oracle, she's like, well, you know, you have an old stash on the dock still. So he puts on his gray and blue costume, you know, old classic costume. And it was so cool to see that. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a continuation. I mean, I would love for him to wear this for a little bit. You know, let's let's go back to that. But, you know, looking at the covers to like the next few issues of Detective Comics, it's like he's back to just like the all gray with the black you know, bat emblem. So I don't know if this is just like a, you know, one issue thing, or I don't know if it's because the covers are, you know, usually drawn in advance or, you know, they're solicited in advance. So, you know, maybe they didn't want to give it away. So they're like, well, whatever, we'll just put that. Or maybe, you know, I, it, it could happen, not very likely, but they could just like swap out the covers, you know, when it comes to print, like m- maybe they drew both versions, which, it's kind of asking a lot on the artist or whatever, you know, I'm sure, you know, you can just swap in a digital file or digital, you know, I'm sure it can be done, but it shouldn't need to be done. Shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't ask the artist to have to do that, you know, draw two different versions of this cover, but so you have all that. So there, there's some, and then, uh, that the end, uh, or the, the backup story. So, uh, Deb Donovan, you know, she's this reporter who like Bruce Wayne, you know, she's, I don't think she's, I don't know if she's been introduced before, if it was just like in in this recent, you know, since, uh, Mariko Tamaki has been writing this, but you know, she's like looking into this story, you know, like what's going on, um, and everything like that. And, you know, it's like, should she drop the story with, with everything that's happening and, um, this is leading into Task Force Z, which I, I don't even know what, what that means or what's going to happen there. But we've got some, some interesting stuff happening. Then there's I Am Batman Issue Zero. <laughs> it's bad because, like, this, some of the, like, the free comic book day issues are available on Comixology as well. 
And, you know, reading those, you know, it's there's supposed to be like preview stuff, but I'm like, wait, did I already read this? So with I Am Batman Zero, you know, when, when you look at this, it's a, it, it, you know, this is the stuff that's kind of like leading to like what Future State was with um, Tim, Tim Fox, Jace Fox. He's now going by Tim, right? Uh, you know, he becomes the next Batman. And, uh, you know, so we're seeing a little bit more of this, but I don't think this is like repeated stuff um it would be i mean how ridiculous would that be if i'm reading this again and i'm like did i read this already but you know we're, we're getting more of that so this is leading into you know more of i don't know how he feel about this to begin with so you know tim fox he's you know he came like at one point here he comes across like this old bat armor that he's going to use and he's basically just taking on the name batman for himself but it's like he has you know he's never like met with batman or bruce wayne you know to to discuss this and he's just like i'm gonna call myself batman and um just seems a little, a little weird but i mean it can be kind of confusing as well so i don't know um then there's a pennyworth issue i'm assuming you know just with the logo this is um, yeah, spanning the years between the hit TV show and today, Pennyworth tells the continuing adventures of Alfred Pennyworth as an MI6 counterintelligence agent, um, this time in Cold War era Soviet Russia, blah, 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 all stuff like that. So I haven't watched the show. I'm, I'm curious about the show, but I don't get that. What what network, what channel is that? Um, I don't get it. It's not my, my cable package. And I think I think you can like pay extra or whatever. But I feel like I'm paying so much for cable as it is. I, and you know, with all the streaming channels, it's like, I, I don't want to pay for just like one show. And I don't even know how I feel about the idea of a, you know, of an Alfred show it just seems kind of weird, but the, the comic was actually pretty good. I like the idea of seeing like a younger Alfred, like in action and, you know, kicking butt and, you know, doing all this, this cool thing and just like little tidbits about his, his history, you know? So I, I like all that. But then it kind of there's it also cuts to like the present day and we see like, you know, present day Alfred. But stupidly, and I will say it's stupid, stupidly, Alfred is dead in the present. I still understand why he was killed. So, you know, who who knows? I mean, I, I, I feel like with uh, after death metal, they had the opportunity to bring Alfred back, but they didn't. And maybe he still will, but don't don't get me started on that but anyway so does this pennyworth issue even though i i have no uh, connection to the tv series um i i enjoyed the the comic it, it was it was fun maybe i'm just missing alfred but i think it was cool because you know he he could he's not just a butler you know he's a he's a badass character so i i just like the idea of seeing this younger one whatever i mean i i, I thought it, it was it was it was a, a fun comic and we had justice league last right issue four so uh, this is, you know, taking place in the, the near future. And, you know, there's uh, Batman and Superman are having this big fallout. And it's because since, let's see, we're at issue four, so I can mention it now. Spoiler, there's some disagreement over the death of Martian Manhunter. And, um, you know, they kind of blame each other. And, you know, we do see how it went down, like what happened. So... Um, it was interesting, and, and you know they're they're having to protect Lobo of all people because you know he's being tried for all his past atrocities or whatever, and you know there's other people out to get him, and and there's a 
and some there's going to be another big problem that that pops up here. So you know this is this is an enjoyable book. I, I'm I'm digging it more and more. Then we have a future state Gotham issue four. I didn't realize that Joshua Williamson wasn't writing this anymore, and um, I don't know when his last issue was. I, I guess I don't know. Um, let's see when did he write? So Dennis Culver, I guess has been writing. So maybe Dennis. It says okay, Dennis Culver and Joshua Williamson wrote. The first issue together, so maybe I say I w- I don't know I I was just assuming that Joshua Williamson was doing it, but maybe he just co-wrote or whatever the first one. No, he co-wrote the second one, and he's on the third one. Oh, so now it's just it's just Dennis Culver. So what whatever, I I'm digging this book. So as much as I griped about the future state stuff, I'm I'm enjoying this, and maybe because it's a little more container, it's has more of a direction. I, I felt like the, all the other the future state books there's just too many it was confusing because we had all the different possible futures and you know it's so it wasn't clear which books were connected or tied together which ones weren't so I, I like that this is just its own future state book it you know it's it's on its own as far as I know it's the only one I'm I'm really reading and uh, so I also like the the art style you know it it has it's it's like a manga you know it's black and white and uh, you know it's got that style and everything so it's it's really cool to see that. And here, what's going on, you know, we've seen a lot of, of Jason Todd in, in this uh, series. You know, he's acting like, you know, he's working with the magistrate program and whatever, you know, hunting down, you know, the masks, the vigilante and everything like that. But um, we saw who he's really working for, I think it was last issue. But this one kind of takes a little uh, detour a little, and it, it focuses more on Harley where, you know, she's she wants to get punchline you know she's after all these years she's like that's it you know i'm taking her out or whatever and so you know we get to see future state harley future state punchline and you know there's this other uh, i believe it's a new character i don't think she was in a regular uh, future other future state books but hunter panic yes yeah, is a brand new hero so she's like hunting for both of them so i'm, I'm enjoying this book is is you know that might be like surprising to hear with you know way i felt about the future state but it, it's it's a fun book and I, I just i like that it's 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 a different and give me one book or two books if you give me a whole line of you know two issue i don't want that then we had a joker issue six so here we're, we're back you know game march is is doing pencils and uh so this is uh james tynan the fourth is is writing on this and uh sam john's I think the works on the, the backup more with Jim trying to hunt down the Joker. You know, these uh, incredibly mysterious and rich people have offered to pay him because, you know, Jim is no longer with the, the GCPD. They want him to hunt down Joker and kill him. And he's not really sure what he's going to do when, you know, when he finally gets to him, you know, he did have a run in with him, but then they were attacked by Lady Bane and others or anything like that. So Joker was able to, to slip away and then uh, he sort of ends up in uh, Paris, and it's what's what's interesting about this is even though it's a Joker book, you know, it's it's also it's a Jim Gordon book, and you know we see like some mentions of like when he and his wife first got married, you know, back in the day, and um, like talking about their honeymoon and, and different things like that. So it's interesting to see how his career has has caused like problems for him and everything like that, and even like the last issue, which was kind of like a. Not, I don't want to call it a fill-in story, but you know, um, Francisco Frangadia, the art, and that was like again looking at at Jim's like early day, like first 
you know, confrontation with Joker and all that. So I'm, I'm enjoying this book more than I thought because, you know, I was like, we don't need a Joker series. But because it's James Tynan IV, you know, obviously that it, it, that's giving it the direction it needs. You know, he, he knows what, what's going on. And then the, the backup story is focusing on Punchline. You know, she's in jail and uh, Harper Rowe is trying to get close to her, fight, whatever. And, uh, you know, she's like, well, you know, she's going to try to infiltrate, you know, get go to the, the prison. Um, it may not work quite as, as, she, as she would like it to. Um, I'm not super crazy about Punchline. I am intrigued by the character. Even, you know, I don't know. I feel like, do we really need this character? But... I, as far as, as long as that means Harley stays away from the Joker, that's good because I, I, I love how Harley is evolving on her own. So there's definitely um, some stuff there. Then uh, we have uh, Batman Urban Legends. So uh, you may have heard a little bit mention of this. So this is issue six. Um, oh, see, I don't know how much to spoil. So the first story uh, is Red Hood and, and Batman story. This is the one written by Chip Zdarsky, Eddie Barrows, and Eber Ferreira, and Scott Eaton do the art. This has been a really good Jason Todd story, and he kind of makes a decision at the end, which I don't want to spoil that, but it's something that you may, it's, you're probably going to see it in the other books or wherever Jason pops up next. You know, and it basically, it, it deals with, um, I mean, it's not like a huge thing, but it's basically like his MO, his, you know, the way he operates, you know, he, he kind of, gives that some thought like what he's doing and how he approaches you know fighting the bad guys and uh so you know there's some definitely some interesting things there and then uh so matthew rosenberg you know he was doing the the grifter story um which was was great but here he does a zealot story and uh so zealot also from wildcats you know she's um, i'm really interested to see how she is being because this is something that i feel like we we saw a little bit of it you know after um was it New Fifty Two? Yeah, with with the uh, when the Wildcat characters were supposed to be merged into regular DC, we saw it to some extent, but it it didn't feel right. You know, there was like here or there, like you know, Grifter had his own series, right? But uh, so like seeing Zlot here, it's it's kind of interesting, and you know, she's going after like Max Lord, and um, there's a little confrontation between her and Wonder Woman. So you know, there's some cool stuff there. Let me jump to the last story momentarily. So Black Canary, this is a story written by Joshua Williamson. Um, Trevor Harrison does the art. And this um, this could be setting up something bigger. So, you know, there's this new organization that's, that has surfaced. And um, so Oracle, Barbara, asks Dinah if she can infiltrate them and, you know, try to, to get it like a sort of like a, a there's a gig lined up kind of like a bodyguard type of thing and you know black canary would be good at that so you know and then um you find out who is like who else is involved who is on, on the scene so basically this woman that barbara wanted to kind of meet there's like some assassins that are sent after her so uh it, it kind of works out because then barbara's there to like fight them and everything like that and say save this lady's life but then when you find out like well who sent the assassins after this lady and then uh, who Dinah's going to be working with, it's it's like, what? Yeah, so it, it mentions a book that I don't want to spoil it. And I, whatever. Um, but I haven't even heard of this book. So it's probably been solicited already, but I was like, what? Anyways, uh, the, so the third story was uh, the final, the third part of Tim Drake, The Sum of Our Parts. So this is by Megan Fritz-Martin. 
and uh, Bellin Ortega was an artist. I actually, <laughs> I mean, to be totally honest, when I first read it, I, I read this issue. I kind of skipped over the Tim Drake one. I didn't, I didn't even finish it. And something happened. I mean, no offense to Megan. You know, I, I've never met Megan, or I'm not really familiar with what she's written before because I'm just probably blanking on it. But it's, there's just something that felt off about the story. In, in my opinion. And I was just like, okay, whatever. You know, it's, it's just, it didn't, I don't know. It didn't seem like Tim Drake. I love Tim Drake and it's something was just, just off. And, and also like the art kind of was a little, I don't know how I want to say softer, just I don't, the colors, there's something, I don't know what, what it was overall. Then yeah, yeah. I start hearing um, the news reports coming out on, on Tuesday. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense with stuff that was hinted like in the first part, the first um, part of the storyline. So basically, you know, I, I kind of I mentioned it briefly with the news that I was going to get into it more now. So now um, apparently Tim Drake is bisexual. And uh, that's kind of been the whole storyline here where, you know, the, he's, you know, meets with this old friend and, you know, they're having like a dinner or whatever. It's kind of a date, but it's not really a date because they're just like meeting up, but it kind of was a date. And then uh, Tim, you know, he, he doesn't want to, and it, which kind of makes sense where, you know, he, it's like he, he kind of brushes Stephanie off about like, you know, he wants a, he wants to do this on his own. And it's like, okay, what is he trying to prove or whatever? You know, he doesn't ask Connor for help or whatever. And it's because he realized that he's kind of having feelings for this, his friend. And he, you know, he was struggling to, you know, admit it. Or now, you know, he realizes that that's what it was. So um, his, his feeling, his true nature has awoken. And um, I don't know how he feel about it. And, you know, it, I, I know in, in some ways it's, it shouldn't matter as far as who the character is and who, you know, Tim Drake is being like an awesome Robin. Like, is he the best Robin? Maybe, you know, it's, it's arguably, you know, I, I think I may have said that he's the best Robin, you know, Damien is, it's hard to say, you even put Damien up there, you know, Dick was, was great, but that seems like such, you know, Dick feels like he did more as Nightwing. Jason was just, you know, reckless and whatever. So, you know, it's like Tim always seems like he's been the best Robin. But anyways, that's so all, all that. My, my, my immediate, my gut reaction is I feel like I haven't picked up on any hint of this at all anywhere whatsoever. And it, I'm kind of reminded of when Iceman was retconned into always being gay. He just didn't know it. And I cannot speak on that situation because i can only imagine what the way society unfortunately looks down upon you know people who are gay or, or bi or you know it's a uh, you know so i'm sure a lot of it you know people are in denial they're trying to deny it with themselves so you have this inner struggle or whatever that sucks you know that shouldn't be the case you shouldn't have to struggle with who you are you know you should be able to embrace it and not be afraid to tell your family your parents your friends or just they'll put it out there in society you know the way you know are people going to stare at you if you know you're holding if a guy's holding a guy's hand or a girl's holding a girl you know that that's just absolutely ridiculous i think it's, it's absolutely i it, it just appalls me that there's that stuff still happens so going back to tim being bi does that really change anything? You know, no, not necessarily. 
You know, it, it doesn't negate his feelings or his relationship with Stephanie Brown. I still want them. To, I you know I would was always rooting for them to be together because it it just seems like that's when we you know she was first introduced. You know, we we saw all that, and you know, so for my nostalgia of reading those those stories. You know that that was was you know I, I love that stuff. So now that he's exploring other options or coming to terms with who he is and all that. It doesn't necessarily erase what it doesn't mean that his feelings for Stephanie weren't true because, you know, that's that's not how it works. You know, when you're you're bisexual, you have feelings, you know, male or female, it doesn't matter. And in some ways, you know, that that's you know, it, it's it's good that you can look beyond that, that, you know, so you're not just um, attracted to physical parts on a person or whatever. It's, it's you know, maybe in, in some ways you're more open minded and you're you know, you're looking at the true essence of the person. What I, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining it or not. But the problem for me is that it feels like that this is something that's being done to try to diversify the comics. And, you know, on, on the one hand, I'd be like, that's fine. But, you know, you look at, there are a lot of, you know, LGBT, you know, characters, whatever. And, and I, I don't mean whatever like that, but you know we're, we're seeing other other ones. But it's just like when you take an established character and then all of a sudden you retcon or you just throw it in there. And you know maybe it's, I shouldn't even be saying it's retcon. You know some people might be arguing they're like no, they didn't retcon him. That's just always who he's been. It just it feels like they're like hey, let's take this popular character, let's do this, and you know we'll appeal, you know we'll make the community happy. And again, you know, you know, congrats to you know. There, there's been this long running, um, I don't even know, how, you know, fandom that's been, you know, shipping uh, Tim and, and Connor. You know, there's there's so much, you know, like fan art, and I, I'm not talking necessarily like graphic fan art, just you know, them holding hands or looking at each other or hugging or whatever. You know, they they've been wanting this, so you know, you, you got that. It just it's it seems weird that. We've just never caught any hint. I mean, has there been any hint of it anywhere before? And I've just totally missed it. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, and it just seems weird that of this, you know, of all places, it happens in this anthology book that I feel like some people might be overlooking. But, you know, so here, here's a good reason that you, you shouldn't be. So I don't know. We'll have to see what is done with this. And, you know, because it, it's also kind of weird is, you know, Tim's. Well, I, you know, he is appearing in Nightwing. You know, are they going to dress it there? And there, you know, there's been no hint. Like, not that like you're like, hey, I like guys now too. You know, it's not like it's just going to come up. But I feel like there's more of an agenda versus being true to the character. But again, what do I know? So I think I I would like to feel that some people who are surprised by this or against it that that's where it's coming from. It's not that you're anti. LGBTQ, but it's just like, it just feels like it just came out of nowhere. And again, maybe I'm totally wrong with that. Because, you know, we, we have other characters, because isn't Harper Rowe? I mean, I know her brother is gay. And I feel like, Har is Harper also? But I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a whole question. It's like, well, why change a, an established character why not create a new character and you know I, like i said i feel like we i feel like there's so many characters who are you know because is america chavez she's been from you know from the beginning so you know there are characters out there and 
I, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's like different comics that I've read this week where you just see it, you know, the runaways, you know, I'll talk about that later. So you have all these characters and, and they're, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, I mean, it's not a big deal as in, it is a big deal. I mean, it's great that we have these characters. I should just move on, right? <laughs> so we have that. And like I said, we'll have to see what's going to come with it. You know, it shouldn't change how Tim Drake is. But my perception of whenever, you know, like when I look at like Hulkling and, and Wiccan, I feel like every time that they're together, it's always like, like, oh, you know, lovey-dovey and, and holding hands and hugging and kissing and stuff like that. But when you look at like uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane, they may talk about their feelings, but they're not necessarily always holding hands, hugging, lovey-dovey and everything like that. Because, you know, we know that they're... T- so it, it kind of feels like when you have two characters that are, you know, gay or, you know, that it's like they need to be depicted as being physical, and, and by physical, I mean, like, you know, hugging or holding hands or anything like that or kissing, you know, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Reed, I mean, Reed and Sue are old married couples, so maybe that's not why we're not seeing it. But I feel like when we have, like, a male and a female characters that are involved, we don't necessarily, you know, we may see them lying next to each other in bed. We may see them embrace in bed like they're about to kiss or do whatever. But, you know, that's that's about the extent of it. But, like, I the recent... um the, the pride books and I think it was I don't remember if it was a DC or Marvel or both but I felt like there was a, I maybe it might be in a Marvel when I'm thinking I feel like there's a lot more of this like oh these characters are gay let's show them kissing and doing stuff like that versus if they're quote unquote straight and there's a couple you don't necessarily always see them kissing or maybe we do and I just we're just so I'm used to it I don't so that that's how I perceive it so I, I feel like Tim here you know, maybe because his emotions are out there, like on his sleeve a little more, that, that that's kind of, it almost felt like when he's talking and stuff, it didn't sound like Tim. It feels like they kind of made him more emotional versus more of a tactician. Because I'm trying to think like when he was fighting, you know, with side by side with Stephanie or anything like that, was he like overly concerned for her safety or anything like that? You know, did the, his emotional a- a- attachment to her ever come out? I mean, it was like, oh, they're dating. They like each other. There's, I, I don't know. So we'll have to see. And then we have Rorschach issue 11. You know, we, we get more answers here about the assassination attempt and who was behind it and so does this dude just like been investigating it? You know, he's he's coming to terms with like all these answers and what they mean. And you look at the covers like, well, what does that mean for him? So what, like, what is he going to do? What's he going to do with all these answers? And I don't know if that's supposed to be like a, a big revelation, big twist or anything. But I'm just like, OK, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And I, I think there's one more issue. So I don't know. Um, at Marvel, speaking of America Chavez, made in the USA, so we have uh, this is the final issue of, of this mini series, and uh, you know, so America found out that her sister, you know, she had a sister, she was alive, you know, because she's from this other reality or whatever, and you know, so like one of the things I've been saying about this series is I was never like, I don't even remember when America Chavez first appeared. You know, whether I read that first appearance or not. I mean, I don't know if it was in a Young Avengers or something like that. 
But I was never, you know, I was just like, okay, she's fine. You know, even in uh, Kelly Thompson's West Coast Avenger, when she popped in, I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. You know, she's got this reality-punching power or whatever. But with this series, I I do feel like that I've really come to like the character more seeing that. And, you know, I think it's, it's great that she's gay. I think it's great that she's Latina that we have, you know, because we don't have a lot of Latinx characters. So I really like that, you know, she's this strong, and I, I know that's a cheesy word to say, but I like that she's a strong character and that, you know, she can do all this stuff. And so it's it's been interesting seeing her deal with all this stuff and, you know, stuff with her, her moms and uh, just the, what's been done to her potentially, you know, when she was a kid and, and everything like that. So it really made me appreciate the character more. So, you know, at first I'm like, we got America Chavez series. Like, who, who who's asked for this? I didn't ask for this. But I'm glad it came out. And I'm glad I read it because uh, I, I, I'm finding the character a lot more uh, interesting than before. And I don't know where we'll see her next. And I, you know, I really wish we had that West Coast Avengers series because I, I love that that series. And it sucks that people weren't buying it. But there you, <laughs> you have that. Um, then there's Avengers Tech On. <laughs> Tech On, issue one. So this is by Jim Zub. And uh, <laughs> I was like, Tech On? It's like, what? Avengers are, are getting tech? I'm like, really? It's like we just had... The what was the other one that where they had that the the um what are what am I trying to say the the mecha suits that's that's what <laughs> mech tech so this was actually I I enjoyed this this comic I was surprised I thought that okay this is another one because I feel like with the 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 mech suit mech strike what was it called um I feel like that was a comic that was made just so they can do a, like a line of toys, like Avengers and mech suits. You know, maybe that's something the kids, kids like mech suits. So now we are combining mech suit armor and, you know, superheroes. And that was, a, you know, it was, it was a, I, I really liked the first issue and the story was interesting, but then I, you know, was kind of losing interest a little bit throughout, you know, even though I, I still kept up with it. But with this one, I, I'm intrigued with this as well. And it's an interesting setup and, you know, it's, it's not in continuity, but, you know, it, it starts off with uh, the Avengers defeating Thanos and Infinity Gauntlet and everything like that. They're like, okay, we're going to destroy the Infinity Gauntlet. But then, as they're having this big press conference, here comes Red Skull. Super-powered Red Skull. Like, what the heck's going on? Spoiler, he got some of the dust, um, some of the whatever remnants of the Infinity Stones, and is using that. So he, you know, they're using the comments like he can't wipe out half the population of the universe, but he can do a lot of other other things. And what he does is no more powers. All the Avengers, all the heroes, they lose a power. Wolverine's there, Spider-Man, Captain America, Captain America turns into like a skinny kid. Uh, you know, Wolverine's in pain because he's got the adamantium. You know, his body can't compensate for whatever. And it, it's an interesting story. You know, Red Skull is coming across as a little maybe too over the top, but you know, he's powered up and everything like that. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm curious with this. And obviously, since you know all these heroes don't have powers, you know, Captain Marvel and everything. You know, Iron Man is there. You know, uh, Black Panther has his vibranium suit, and you know, it's his training, but. You know, they don't have power, so Iron Man's like, how about armors for everyone? Iron Avengers, and of course, you know, he's going to like that name. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, and I, I'm definitely going to check out the next issue. Uh, Captain Marvel, issue 31. So this was kind of like a, a one-off story before the next story arc. 
and uh, Carol and Rhodey are going to go on vacation since they got back together. They get called out into space. Um, basically, some Cree DNA is being taken, including uh, her mom's DNA. So you know she's trying to investigate it, and then uh, Rhodey's like, "Well, I'm going too." And so uh, they're there with uh, Carol's sister, and um, there, there's there's like a hint of we're going to revisit the story soon. You know, there's going to be more happening here. Um, then we have Children of the Atom issue six. This is a final issue, which again is unfortunate. But the the whole aim of this series was, you know, we have these kids that were mostly. Uh, obsessed with like the x-men and everything like that and they wanted to be the x-men and and you know so they had like a lot of similar powers but then we find out they're not really mutants so it's like that was like kind of like a twist but then to add to the twist it turns out one of them ends up like wait one of them is a mutant you know they're they're whatever powers awaken and uh you know that so that how are the others going to feel about that and everything like that so it was interesting and you know we'll probably at definitely see that one character more i don't know about the others but um it was it's i i enjoyed the series and you know it's not often where you're introducing new characters and you know you care about them right away but i think that they did a good job here introducing the new characters and then setting up their story and their motives and everything like that so i'm gonna i'm gonna miss this book it, it's too bad that you know it just it's it stops here but hopefully these kids will pop up somewhere else Okay, then there is Daredevil 33. So things are, are just getting crazier and crazier here. So uh, Elektra, you know, basically, uh, back up. Bullseye is, like, attacking the city. Like, the whole th- city is, like, under, New York City is under lockdown because he's just, like, killing people left and right. And there, there's getting to the point where it's like, how, how is he doing this? How is he killing someone here and then another person across town? Like, so, you know, is he teleporting? Like, what's going on? So Electra is, you know, going out and, you know, like she ran into Spider-Man, you know, he's swinging around, you know, people are, are trying to look for him, any signs of him and stuff like that. So she comes across him, she starts fighting him, but then there's like more, it ends up, spoiler, there's more than one bullseye. So it's like, what what is going on? What does that mean? What What's happening here? So we, we find out some of the reasoning here. Uh, I don't know how I really feel about that. It's, it's a, yeah, um, I have some questions about the logistics and, and everything like that, but it's definitely going to add some problems. So uh, Electra's uh, fight against the bullseyes doesn't go too smoothly, and but you know she does get a little assistance, you know, to, to help with her, you know, her her injuries and stuff. And then there's also Daredevil who's kind of taken over to prison because he when he realized that the warden is totally you know dirty, shady, and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I don't not sure what what Matt's thinking, like what he's going to do next, because you know they have like a police barricade. You know, anyone that comes close, like you know, people are shooting at him. You know, shooting at the car lights or whatever. And so we'll have to see what he's going to do next. Then we have Defenders issue one. So this is by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. Um, we recently, I'm trying to think, was it's like I don't know if it was like history of the universe or Marvel or there was something that um, Javier Rodriguez was doing before, and there was also a, a, I think they mentioned it here is like the Marvel Comics 1000 where we saw this uh, masked raider dude and he's got like this infinity mask and I'm like who the heck is this and what the, what is going on? So did this character comes back and 
I really like Javier Rodriguez's art. I'm trying to think what he did. Was it Spider Woman? Something like you know his his uh, his art and colors. There's it's just it's so like vibrant. It's like it pops off the page and everything like that. So I'm that's the main reason I you know I'm excited for this. The whole idea with the defenders, I, I I'm not super crazy about that. But you know we have Doctor Strange and it's it's almost like it's going back to like Secret Avengers, um, I concept or whatever where. We may not so like you look at the cover and it's like um, which you know I didn't realize I didn't even look at really pay attention to cover when I was reading this but you see like Betty Banner um, Red Harpy I don't know what they're calling her she's on there and um, you know who's that floating like cloud person at the top <laughs> and, and uh, so this may not be like the permanent team because you know there's like there's the, the tarot cards that are like drawing people and stuff like that so. Um, and then where they go for this like big problem mystery thing is like kind of interesting. It's like I don't know where this is going, but uh, I, I I'm intrigued with this book. So I I think it was a good first issue and uh, should check this out. See like what's going on. And we have Fantastic Four Life Story issue three. So this is by Mark Russell, and this is where like each book is a different decade. So you know we had the sixties, the seventies. This is the eighties. And, you know, so, you know, the characters are aging in real time and everything like that. And uh, things aren't going as smoothly as, you know, we would hope them, you know, for the Fantastic Four. But, you know, Reed has just been obsessed with, like, the idea of Galactus attacking and everything like that. And, you know, he was working with Victor Von Doom before, but then Victor kind of betrayed him. And, and uh, you know, things aren't going too, uh, aren't, aren't too good between uh, Reed and Sue because how... She ignored him and everything like that, and it was just really bad. I think it was more like the last issue where a lot of time they were pretending that Sue was with them, but she was just invisible, which is just like kind of insulting and everything. So there's a some it, it's a, so it's it's definitely an interesting book. It's it's not the regular Fantastic Four that you know you, you've always read. So there's some yeah, it's a it's it's kind of hard to look at our beloved characters like this, but it, it's also interesting as well. Then we have Miles Morales Spider-Man issue 29. So this is a clone saga aftermath. Is that what it says? Fallout. And, uh, you know, so Miles is trying to adjust with everything that happened. He's going back to school and, you know, he's got his writing assignment that's due. One of the clones is still alive. It's like, where is he at? Because he kind of disappeared. And um, Miles' costume is, is all shredded from fighting and everything like that. So he's going to need a new costume. So we find out what the deal is with this costume and everything like that. And I don't know how he feel about it. I mean, we, you know, spoiler, we just get like a hint of it, you know, at the end of the issue. Um, it's not as pink as it appeared to be when we saw the character designs online. So that's good. I, I just don't know. It just seems very baggy. You know, it's almost like he's wearing sweats and like, you know, a hoodie and, I just feel like with the way he moves around and everything like that and like, you know, stuff fall, flying at him, I feel like, the, you know, he, a, a, any Spider-Man wants a skin-tight costume just to, to move around and everything. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, how this goes. But it's also, I mean, the, the main reason, you know, um, besides this costume being torn, he's like, yeah, I, I kind of don't want to put the costume on after seeing the clone of me, you know, going around doing bad things and, you know, all this stuff like that. So it makes him think of that. 
I kind of get it. It's kind of like, you know, Spider-Man and like when he had the black costume that, you know, it, it just, you know, like Mary Jane hated it because it, you know, it reminded her of, you know, when Craven Hunter put it on or whatever. And, and surprisingly, Peter was okay with it. Even, you know, when he was wearing like threaded, you know, black and white costumes, like this looks like the alien symbiote that tried to take him over his body, but he's now he's wearing just fabric. And it just seems weird though. I, I know Spider-Man has changed his costume several times, but just the idea of, of Miles is like, now he's going to change his costume. And I mean, heroes should be able to change their costumes, but it, it's like they don't really that often. Uh, they do, but uh, whatever. So we'll see. Runaways issue 38. This um, So this is issue 38, but it's a legacy issue 100, but it's a final issue. So it's, it seems like let's celebrate 100 issues of the Runaways, but we're canceling the series now. Which sucks. Um, I'm so. I think I mentioned this before. I'm so glad that it's reached 38. I think this is the the longest running Runaways volume. But it's it stinks that it's over. And there's a you can kind of see it. I mean, they're they're kind of setting up a lot of different things, and characters are kind of going different directions for different reasons as part of the story. But that's kind of like the bad thing. It's like, well, now how are we gonna find out what happens next? You know, when because uh, you know we had Gert from the future came. Uh, you know, she's like, there's a reason that she's there. She takes some, she has to take someone into the future. And so it's like, well, when are we can find out more about that. And then, uh, there's stuff with Carolina, you know, with her, you know, her powers aren't really, you know, working. So she needs to, she needs to heal or get some, you know, help with that. So she's leaving. And then, uh, uh, Nico makes a big decision and, you know, so there's just like a lot of like stuff that's like total cliffhangers. You know, there's like like four different cliffhangers or whatever, and I hopefully we'll see them again soon. Spider-Man, the uh, Spider Shadow issue five. So this is Chip Zdarsky and Pasquale Ferry. This was the what if story, and um, this was good. So you know, at, at first I was like, wow, man, things are really getting dark and extreme. You know, basically. Um, if Peter Parker became Venom is what it is. And uh, he just goes off and, you know, killing people and his identity is exposed and just a lot of like bad things. And then, you know, the symbiote is like just doing horrible things, you know, cause it wants to get back with Peter. And um, so, yeah, things really get turned upside down and stuff like that. But uh, it, I do like how it wrapped the story gets wrapped up and everything like that. It does kind of leave things hanging like, you know, totally there's room for a sequel. So I, I like this experiment and I, or whether you call it experiment or, or whatever, but I like the fact that we had a five issue. What if story? Cause you know, a lot of times the, what if stories are, were just one issue, you know, self-contained. And it felt like in the later volumes that it's always like these, what if stories were where, you know, something, a little difference going to happen and everything's going to totally suck like a million times worse than, you know, ever before. So it was always things just got really dark and dreary and it, it just kind of showed you that like, okay, well, what is normally happening? Maybe that's for the best. Peter Parker's life might suck, but you know, things could be a lot worse. And that's how it felt like. So at least with this, yeah, things do get, you know, pretty sucky. But, you know, there there's some small lights, whatever, at the end of the tunnel type of thing. So I, I like that we got to explore, you know, the story a little more. It could have maybe been four issues. You know, they, it could have been condensed a little more. But I, I think it was it was fun to, to see things explored, you know, in depth. 
Then we have Star Wars, a high Republic issue eight. So this is kind of wrapping up the, um, this current story. And I'm still trying to get used to like learning who these characters are and, you know, who's, who's a Padawan of who and connected to who and, you know, knows who and stuff like that. So there, there's some, some cool things set up here. And, uh, you know, there, there's also the, what are they, they call the, the Nihil? The, why am I totally blanking on them now? The, the Marauder pirate, space pirate dudes, you know, there's more of a hint with them. So I kind of like how this is sort of, I feel like we're finally at a point for me where, you know, the characters are, are kind of, they've gone through a couple things, you know, a couple story arcs and, and now they're, they're, they've grown, they've bonded, they've gotten stronger and stuff like that. So now I'm really looking forward to what's next, you know, because we can see the, the fact that, you know, they've, they're coming out on top of their experiences. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to go. Then we have X-Force 22. Um, I'm not super crazy about this <laughs> manslaughter. Um, this all this plant stuff and this dude, this like anti, he's mad at the X-Men and Krakoa because his wife, you know, she was using some of the Krakoan drug plant stuff, but then she like OD'd on it, and it, that's the X-Men's fault. And he's saying it because you know it's a, it was addictive or whatever. So he wants to target the X-Men, and you know he gets has these plant powers, and you know he's does some some things and everything and uh i don't know wait, wait is his name really dr bloodroot did i totally miss that so yeah he had that and then there's x-men legends issue six this was um so even though you know todd knock art awesome love seeing todd's art you know what i want to see is as many times as i can peter david i love his his writing and you know i, I love his x-factor run this was just like a, a weird story uh, maybe because one, I don't remember to mention between, you know, when this, this took place. And uh, I think it was between issue 75 and 76 or something like that. It says on the, on the first page. But it didn't feel like it was like a huge story. Like with, uh, you know, the, the first one we had was, you know, Adam X, Extreme, you know. And so that was like huge. And then the X Factor one was, you know, kind of a big deal or whatever. You know, we've seen some things here and whatever or there. But this one didn't feel like it was like a huge story, and maybe because I don't remember like what happened then, and you know maybe I should have tried to see if they were on the Marvel Unlimited app and you know read those issues. But I mean, it was it was an okay story. I mean, it was interesting. I, I like what the characters did and the the problem that they faced and how they went about to resolve everything and solve it and you know get back to the status quo so they can you know be ready for the next issue chronologically so it, it was fun but it just wasn't it didn't blow me away as far as like the the motive and reason for for the story but it, it was still good so i and again todd knock art i want to know when are we going to get the rest of the gwen stacy series drawn by todd so what is going on with that but for now that is going to be comics for the week Okay, with Rick and Morty, what apparently happened last week, and I, I wasn't aware of it, but uh, you know, I'm recording Rick and Morty, my DVR. Uh, sometimes I watch it on the, the Adult Swim app. But I noticed that last week there was an extra. Um, it was like a 15-minute – I was like, wait, what is this? And it's because it's it said extra, summer meets God, Rick meets evil. I'm like, what? So this was a Rick and Morty like anime and you know it's all in japanese it's subtitled and it's a kind of a weird story 
Um, and and I, I, I don't know how we feel about it. So it, it starts off like, you know, someone video calls Summer when she's in bed or whatever. And it's it's saying, it's talking about something responded to the Gotron signal. So I guess this is like after the last episode. Um, Rick and Morty, they go out somewhere or whatever. Um, then we see um, Summer sitting in a car. She's like on a date or something like that. You know, or she, I don't know if she's really on a date. Her phone rings. This dude on the phone says that Toby, the guy she's with, He's busy talking to his girlfriend. He's going to be a while because we, then we see him. He's like, whatever, standing outside on, on his phone. So then the, the guy on the phone, he's like, you know, asks Summer if he wants her or if she wants him to give her a ride home. And then she's like, and then she's like, who is this? And he's like, my name is Delta. Then she's like, why to pause? And he says that he's like, oh, I just came up with the name right now. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, you want to go? And then the car starts driving away. If, you know, she's in a passenger seat. There's like no one driving it, and the, the car just leaves. So no one's behind a wheel. At the house, Rick is talking about how it's not efficient having to spend energy eating just to get energy. You know, you're using energy to get energy or whatever. Summer comes in, and uh, so this is like after because he's like, "Oh, how's the boyfriend?" You know, not that he actually exists. And she's saying that he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And she holds because you know she's talking to her through her phone, so she holds her camera phone up to. Um, to her mom, to Beth, to introduce her to Delta. Um, they say hi, and Beth's like, his voice is familiar. And then, then she's like, where's your dad at? Whatever, he hasn't come home since he went to get his test results. So Delta looks up Jerry Smith on the internet, whatever. Screen shows a population control agency called him in. And Rick's like, oh, that's where unnecessary people get culled in a liberal way. So Summer's kind of unhappy, whatever, you know, it says that he passed. So is that good? He passes, whatever. And Rick's like, no, that means Jerry's been approved for culling. So he'll be revamped into an endangered species and then bred to preserve it or something like that. So, you know, because we saw Jerry go to the doctor, whatever. So he's dr driving, listening to a message, whatever. Earth resources are too limited to thrive. That's why he's been asked to join their crusade into space. Um, they're writing, waiting for him to join the Exodus pro project today, whatever. Then we see him, he's sitting outside his car like just on the ground blowing like a bubble pipe um and then he sees this light and gets sucked up because you know and all, all throughout this you know he's thinking about summer which is weird it's like well what about morty <laughs> so then uh police around the area where his car is they open the door his wallet's on the seat with and there's a picture of you know young summer um you know sticking out of his wallet and she's chasing bubbles so that's why he was blowing bubbles i guess and then the voice um voices talk about jerry being their savior and now they can take back their beautiful earth or something like that so whatever these people were called by the gotron thing um at the house beth says it's not right that they took jerry without their consent or his rick goes on and you know about what they call free will simply being a result of certain external factors leading us to a point you know it's it's a physical outcome calculated to take the input of our hearts into account before the whole process even starts whatever then she asks him if gallivanting all over the galaxy is his choice and he says he does what he wants to do uh and he he talks about like when you go to a three-star restaurant or whatever and you crave a burger he's like just get a burger it's like you know do what you want type of thing then we see this pod lands on the moon. So it's these voices. They say that they'll activate the Gotron from there. So I'm, again, I was a little confused with what's happening. Rick and Morty are standing in the, in the middle of a bunch of satellites. And, and then he says that that's, uh, there's a brainwave that he recognizes or whatever. So they, he's like, they really revamped him into something. So he's talking about Jerry, I guess. Jerry, we see, is um, sitting at the dining room table, he's alone, but then he starts talking to Beth, like Rick and Morty. Then he hears Summer, and he says, that he, oh, I see her, and then he turns into particles and he floats up.
Then a Gotron turns on. Rick notices it starts up on its own. The ground starts busting open. The Gotrons bust out, and then they form into the giant robot. Jerry's like screaming as he's flying through like space or whatever. He sees other places and people around the world. And then it's like, wait, is he in water? Then we see Summer, uh, little Summer, like laughing and running, you know, being pushed on a bike, going to school. He's crying and he reaches out to himself or whatever. And then his other self says, the Summer is still nearby. And then the Gotron says, Summer. And Morty asks, he's like, did it say Summer? Um, throughout this whole episode, Morty's like cringing and cowering at everything, which was just kind of weird, like more than usual. The power goes out across the world. The Gotron gets surrounded by portals. Things are popping out, attacking it. And then we see Summer lying in bed and, and uh, talking on her phone. Delta's like, when I dream, I gaze upon you. And then she's like, let's meet in our dreams. The Gotron um, energy explodes, uh, taking out the whole world or something like that. The pod says they did what they could. So then they'll just leave. Then we see Summer um, riding on a bike, talking to Delta. A shuttle is coming. No one is coming back to Earth. She says that we'll just call it Rick World or something like that. Then Morty asks, um, he's like, why does Summer get to be the ruler of Rick, Rick World? And Rick's like, that's a 10,000-year trap. And then she pulls up by a Gotron, and she says that Delta has a new body, and now they can bleep and bleep. And then the top opens up, and then Jerry comes out in his tidy whities and she's like, ew, gross. So it's like, <laughs> what does all that mean? Is that why Beth said that the voice was familiar? So is Delta really Jerry? Evolve? I don't even know what happened. So, so there's that. But then the regular episode, uh, 508, uh, season 5, episode 8, Returnal Friendshine of the Spotless Mort. So the family's packing up. They're going on vacation. They're going on a cruise. Beth tells Rick's like, no parties. She's like, I left emergency numbers on a fridge. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? And she's like... Yeah, I don't even know, you know, what, I, what I'm saying. She's like, I've seen so many movies where parents leave it just popped in my mouth. So she's like, Are you sure you don't want to go with? And he's like, It's like, no. He's like, I got a million things that I've been putting off. And then uh, he tells Morty, he's like, Oh, I'm trying to stay humble. He's like, As soon as you leave, because Morty's like, Are you sure you don't want to come and everything? He's like, As as soon as you leave, the potential for another pickle Rick starts skyrocketing. So inside, he pours himself a drink. He puts on some music. Um, then he starts up his best, best friend rejuvenating sequence. And then the remains, a bird person comes out, like the, this thing, because, you know, he died at his wedding or whatever. So Rick turns on the device. Bird person calls and then shuts down. So the computer says it's missing something in its mind. Or his mind is missing. It's hidden in his mind. And Rick's like, he says that he's going to have to go into bird person's subconscious and the computer AIs suggested he doesn't do it because it could be dangerous, whatever. But then Rick's like, well, I, your batteries can last like 600 years, so you'll be fine, whatever. And then it, whatever. So it's like, okay, you know, less dangerous calculations. He goes in, uh, things get weird, and then his clothes disappear as he falls. Because first he's like, oh, at least I have my clothes. And then, you know, he falls and he's naked. He lands like on this yoke thing, but it's really like bird person's head, which kind of like turns around and he like slides into his mouth. He comes out of like a light by some party, so it's a it's a memory from when they first met. I think it was it was like a Burning Man or you know something like that. So uh, then he he goes into a later memory where they're shooting at different versions of Rick, and then he keeps going. Um, Bird person and others are making plans for a fight. Then we see uh, this a younger Rick hears something, and he finds a present um, old naked Rick like fiddling with some electronics. And the device is going to detect bird person so he doesn't have to go through all of this stuff. 
Bird person is watching himself on a date with Tammy. Meanwhile, um, Rick finds him and tells him that it's the real him and not a memory. And he asks if he's aware that he's in a coma and he's going to die if he doesn't come with him. But the bird person just flies off the roof. So Rick has to try chasing him. The memory Rick, the younger Rick, um, finds him and wants to help. And he wonders, you know, are there rules, you know, where they, they fight? Because they're, they're fighting the, the Glophomites, the whatever those, the aliens, you know, are, and he wonders, like, are, are they damaging bird person's mind when they're, like, shooting different things or whatever? So they argue as they look for bird person. But then it's like bird person seems like he's trying to destroy his mind. So they have to go in deeper in order to save him. They're about to drop into Blood Ridge. So this is where everything went bad, like during the war or whatever. The war is intense. Young Rick is in awe because, you know, this hasn't happened yet. He asks older Rick, he's like, you know, why don't you want to revisit this? And then our Rick, what a regular Rick says, because of the ending. So the memory continues. Rick wants bird person to go with him. He says that the Federation is defeated, but the fighting isn't over. And then he shares, Rick's going to share something that he hasn't told anyone. He shows them um, an early version of his portal gun, and he says that they can go to a parallel world and fight the war again, or they can go to a world where they lost or where they never fought. But Bird Person doesn't like his attitude of, like, nothing matters. Then Rick says, fine. He's like, you matter. You matter to me. And then Rick's um, upset, and he starts walking away. Bird Person uses a... Says Bird Person says he used a beacon if he needs him, and Rick sarcastically says like, "Yeah." He's like, "I'm going to use it a lot." And he's like, "I hope you don't wear, or you better hope I don't wear it out, or something like that." So then Rick admits to his younger self that he's like, "Fine, yeah, I, I love Bird Person. You know, he cares about him because he's his best friend." So they find him another memory with Tammy. Bird Person says that he died on his wedding day. Um, he's just waiting for it to take effect. But Rick mentions that he has a kid, and Bird Person says that he doesn't know anything about a kid, um, and he didn't know because its father would be a terrorist and always on the run, so that's why he wasn't supposed to know or something like that. So then Bird Person decides that um, he does want to live. So they try to escape the memory. They have to go through a bunch of other memories and, and so forth. And then at in the garage, Bird Person comes out of it. Um, Bird Person says that he has parenting stuff because Rick's like, oh, let's let's celebrate whatever. But he has he has parenting stuff he has to deal with instead of partying right away. But then um, the end credit, uh, it, I guess Bird Person had a daughter. So she's like in his cafeteria. Someone comes up to her and like starts hassling or stuff like that. And she starts like beating the crap out of him with like the food tray and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so Bird Person's back. <laughs> but the weird thing is there's a going to be the season finale whatever for season five is coming up and it's not happening until september 5th so i'm not sure why they're doing that why we have to wait like a month for the season finale and it's an hour long season finale which is weird but i i just i don't like when we have season finales because that means we have to wait till the next season but you know it's going to happen eventually so no Rick and Morty uh, next week, apparently. So we'll have to wait until September 5th. Okay, I'm going to talk. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go in full detail about Reservation Dogs. So this is a new show. It's on FX and Hulu. Um, so Taika Waititi is involved with the show. I think he's a, I think he's a co-creator, co-writer or something. And um, the, what the show is about, it's about four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma as they steal, rob, and save to get to the exotic, mysterious, and faraway land of California. 
basically, you know, we have these these four kids living on an Indian reservation and in Oklahoma, and they hate it there. You know, it, they're miserable. They're like like in in the first <laughs> first episode, they want to steal this uh, flaming flamers. It's like cheese flavor. It's like basically like a Cheeto truck delivery truck. They want to sell it so they can take it to a chop shop. And but then they 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 like ask if they can keep the the, the chips and then they want to sell them and uh, yeah so I I mean I was gonna do like uh, you know breakdown through uh, the whole thing but we see so they're basically like the one guy uh, when they sell the truck you, you know the the guy buying the, the the truck from him says that they're the the best thieves in town but it's a small town. So, you know, there, there's stuff like that. And then um, we, we were introduced to, like, just their their lives. And, and like, one of the, like one of their, their friends died, like, a, a year ago or something like that. Like, his anniversary is coming up. And, you know, they're they're blaming the town because of that. And, you know, we're, we're just seeing, like, what they're doing. And as they, they kind of have this reputation as so – not they're not necessarily a gang or whatever. But, you know, they're, they're good kids. And, you know, the cops kind of like a – He's. Uh, I was looking. I was like, "Who's this guy?" He he was actually he was in a uh, Doctor Sleep. Um, I forget what else he was in, but you know he's kind of like this bumbling dude. Like when they they stole the 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 chips truck, they couldn't get the ramp up, so they're driving away, and the ramp's just like dragging behind it. And as they go down the road, the cops like sitting in his car, like off the side of the road, like waiting for people to speed by or whatever. But he's like watching his JFK like shooting video on his phone, so he doesn't even see them go by. And then later, you know, he's like wondering, you know, who stole the, the, the truck or whatever. You know, he doesn't know that it's them. But then uh, other people find out and there's like this rival gang that, <laughs> that, that comes up to him. And uh, there's like this shootout scene, but it was like paint guns. And so it's it's a funny show. And, uh, you know, you as you learn about these kids and, you know, the, the, the kids have a lot of heart. You know, so you start to care about them. But there's also, you know, it's it's there's it's a comedy, and there's there's cursing and everything like that. So it's uh, it, it's funny everything, you know, I because like like it. Oh, I shouldn't spoil too much about that. But then the, like the second episode is called NDN Clinic, NDN. <laughs> so there's like this, you know, like a basically like a free clinic in a town, and and you know, so you see, oh, um, the main character he keeps seeing like this indian spirit dude who's uh his name is william knife man and uh, i feel like if 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 taika watiti was more involved this would be the character that he'd be playing because you know since you know he basically appears in all the stuff that he does pretty much so uh you know we, we see this guy from time to time and everything like that and so it's uh i'm i'm i don't know if i'm doing a horrible job explaining this but I, you should check it out you know so like i said uh uh two episodes came out last week and it's, it's new episodes every monday on and it's, you can you can watch on hulu or fx so it's it's worth checking out i don't know if i'll um keep talking about it because uh it yeah i mean it's it's not like a, a comic book superhero type sh- you know genre show but it is interesting and i i think i think you should watch it and i don't know if me talking about these characters and their adventures or mishaps if that would be entertaining, if you're not watching, if you've never watched it, if you don't care about it, but you should be watching it. So I think I'm just going to leave it at that and just, you know, super brief, check it out. Reservation dogs. And it is supposed to be like reservoir dogs, you know, but it's, it's reservation dogs. And so it, it's, it's a, it's a fun show.
Okay, and then DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 6, Episode 11, The Final Frame. So it starts off, Rory is pacing, sort of out like, I don't know if it's like a junkyard or whatever. There's like all these car parts and stuff like that. But they're, you know, they're, he's looking at a scanner thing or whatever. We see Berard, he's trying to cook something on a wave rider. Constantine comes in, tries using magic, but he ends up like blowing up like the attempt at what Berard was doing. And he says he didn't realize how strong his magic was. Um, and then he wants to share the feeling with Zari, but then Berard explains that she switched places with Flannel Zari, who is out on a date with Nate or whatever. Um, and then, you know, he, he says, he's like, oh, you also missed a pod squad too or whatever, because, you know, they, they went off without him or whatever. So we see Nate and Zari, pod squad, because they're, they're going to go look for more alien pods, whatever. But Nate and Zari are out in a hike. Um, she only has 24 hours before she has to go back to the totem or whatever. And Nate wanted to take her someplace with no distractions. So they're like going to go camping, you know, out in the wilderness. They come across this other couple, like in the campsite next to him. They had this huge like campsite, inflatable hot tub. They got like electric grill, just music blaring and stuff like that. So they're like, nice. Just, you know, that's not what they wanted. Mick is still walking around. Um, he's looking for something. Then they find a last pod, and but there's nothing inside. There's just a cube inside. So they're all kind of fiddling with it. It's sort of like like a puzzle box or something like that. And you know, so Sarah, um, she calls Ava, says that they might be a while. And Ava's like, "Oh, take your time," because you know she's trying on different wedding dresses, whatever. And then Sarah's finds like um, she's like, "Get it together!" And you know she's just tired of like fighting over this thing. So she tries taking it, but then they're all transported, oh, out of the this junkyard place. They're in this bowling alley. They're wearing team shirts that says "The Legends" on the back. And then Spooner starts picking up like major alien vibes. Astra, she tries going out to the exit, but there's like n absolutely nothing outside. It's just a bowling alley. It's just like floating out in space. So, you know, they, they close the door. They've been abducted by aliens again. They can't contact the others through the comms. Sarah, um, she goes to talk to like the bowling alley clerk. Um, his name is Buddy. And he says that he's like oh you must have answered the invitation so I, I guess the puzzle box thing was an invitation she asked you know how did they get back to earth and he's like oh but you just got here or whatever so he figures that they must be good since uh bowling was invented on earth and then the others in the alley are apparently they're aliens but they just look like humans so they're like whatever spooner asks um she asks another team for like a ride back to earth and this dude he wants to play a game first and he's like unless you're afraid of losing he's like just kind of like this arrogant whatever bowler dude nate and zari set up their tent so it's nighttime she's hungry and he's like oh i made your favorite parisian delicacy he opens it up but then he realized he must have grabbed spooner's bag of equipment instead so the only thing in there is like like ration bars or whatever so they're like mad, but at the other couple next to him, um, Nate tries calling Gideon so they can just get another campsite, but his comm is like acting wonky now. So Buddy, the bowling alley owner, whatever, says that you know his place was nice until the painkiller or the painkillers, the other team, till they they ruined his bowling paradise. Uh, he says that you know he didn't send out the invitations that it was the the pin killers so they they'll only get one chance to beat them so don't challenge them until a team is ready and spooner comes up and mentions that they have a ride but they just have to beat that one team so it didn't work um zari's working on a radio in spooner's bag and uh they pick up a news report that places and like countries are completely missing or something like that so they're like who did it was it aliens you know we're all gonna die type of thing so there's stuff that's just like completely missing 
Nate and Zari, then they go to talk to their neighbors, um, and they have like a portable like pizza brick like oven or whatever. Um, Nate asks if they can borrow a truck to go into town and pick up some stuff. So Jeff, he's like this total like bro dude. Um, he's like, why don't we all go? And he's like, dude's in the front. And then um, he tries to start the truck, but the battery's dead because it's probably from running everything at the campsite. Constantine, meanwhile, he's tired of waiting. He tells Berard that they should just go uh, to Sarah and the others. But Gideon says that she's having trouble locking out to Earth. At the bowling alley, Sarah seems to be a natural. You know, she's really good at bowling, of course. Rory can't get his fingers in a hole because he's you know, always wearing his gloves because I guess his hands are burned, right? Um, he just throws the ball and it like goes into a completely different lane. Spooner gets down, looks at the, the lane very closely, does this like all these moves and stuff like that bowls a strike and because you know she was really into bowling as a kid i guess or something like that astra's like i don't bowl and you know she does she's like i'm not gonna put on the those fungus filled shoes or stick my fingers in the fungus filled holes so she's like totally anti-bowling ava finally finds a dress that she likes she wants to tell sarah that she found one not you know not show her just tell her but gary distracts her into looking at others because I guess they don't want Ava to know that the others are missing, that they can't contact them, which is just, it's like, she's not this delicate flower. You know, I don't know why they just don't want her to know. Gideon tells Berard that they're stuck. Um, John says that he'll compel the ship to find Earth or something like that. He's going to use magic to make it happen. So the pin killers win their other game. He takes the ball from the loser and places it, puts it in this like trophy case. So the team playing, they they're like vaporized and then they get like transferred into the ball. And then the legends realize that this is probably gonna happen to them if they lose. Nate and Zarya are walking with the other campers. Um, the other girl picked up a vibe that they're doing like a long distance relationship. And then she asks, she's like, um, like, can you stand being apart? And she's like, yeah, whatever. And then she's like, doesn't that just mean that you don't need to be together? And then, you know, that kind of makes Zari, you know, she gets ticked off or whatever. So the bowling game starts. Uh, Mick still won't take off his gloves, so he's not doing well. Gary's um, on the ship. He's having, like, all these alterations made to the dress. Like, first he does, like, poofy sleeves, uh, like a lace veil, you know, flowers, a bustle. You know, he keeps, like, adding all the stuff to, you know, suggesting stuff to Ava. Constantine. Um, pour some of the vampire juice into a flask. He starts uh, doing a spell with the four elements or whatever. The ship is enveloped and then it disappears. Ava finds out that Earth is missing and that you know all that there is is a floating bowling alley. Ava can't get into, um, so she goes up there. She can't get into the bowling alley. Sarah sees Ava in her dress and then Sarah explains what happened. And you know, does this mean that Earth is stuck in the bowling alley or whatever? One pin killer takes a ball out of a bag and it. It looks like Earth. So Nate and Zari notice the sun has suddenly come out. This is like after the, the, the bowler took the, the ball out. Um, the bowler rolls the ball and it's like an earthquake from everything's like shaking. And then uh, Zari sees like this huge crater. And they're like, where is everything? So it's one of the holes from the bowling ball. So the other camper thinks it's like the end of the world. The dude confesses to his, his wife or whatever that he got a secret vasectomy. He's like, that's why you know we can't have kids. And he's like, you know, she's like upset. And he's like, kids cost money. Then we wouldn't be able to get, you know, afford all our stuff. So Spooner argues with Rory about using the holes. And then um, her finger gets smashed by balls in the, the ball return thing. So it's like sprained. So that's ruining their chances of winning even more. Azari wants to talk about the relationship. Nate says that he um, he gets a dating a girl from another timeline stuck in another dimension is bad. But he thinks it's better than the alternative. He's like, it, it hurts to be apart from you. 
And then she's like, that's what I needed to hear. So she's like, but first, you know, we need to save the world. Buddy, the bowling owner, gives Sarah some advice about not thinking, just enjoying the game. So they eat some nachos, drink some beer. Then Sarah turns off the scoreboard and she tells Astros, like, we need you to bowl. Uh, Mick doesn't want to take his gloves off, so Spooner suggests, like, cutting off the fingers so he can, you know, get his, his fingers in the holes. Um, he gets a strike. Um, Astra tries, she gets a gutter. But then the second one, she gets three. So that's, you know, better than nothing. Zari, um, out of the bag, she has like Spooner's big rifle. This is like, a huge thing. And Nate's like, well, it's set on three, uh, but it goes up to the middle finger. So maybe we should just crank it up. So then when the bowl, the pin killer bowler dude sticks his finger in, you can like kind of see his, his finger floating above them or something like that. So she shoots it and it causes him to get a gutter ball. Cause you know, he feels a pain. He doesn't know what happened, but then, um, the, like a, a time portal thing opens and they're able to go back onto the wave rider. So I don't know how that had anything to do with it, but somehow the signal got through. So it's the last shot of the game. It's Astra's turn. Gary calculates. <laughs> it's like, it's not that hard to look at the score, but Gary calculates that they can win, but Astra needs to get a strike. Sarah suggests that she does it granny style and the other team like laughs. She's like, I didn't escape hell just to do granny style or something like that, whatever. So she rolls the ball, knocks all the pins out. There's one pin teetering. So they needed a strike. Nine's not going to be good enough. It's teetering, teetering, falls. So Sarah uh, takes the earth ball. (laughs) It's like, how do you know this is even going to work? She takes it. She rolls it out the door, like out into space. And then, uh, then uh, it works. Buddy runs the alley once again. Constantine comes in. Buddy's like, oh, he's like, aren't you curious? He's like, power's both mighty and abundant. And then he's like, yeah, whatever. And he walks over to the others. And then Buddy's like, powers that will be the death of you. So they get more nachos and Buddy takes a team photo. So that's the end of the episode. So it almost felt like, you know, that would have been the season finale, you know, being called the final frame or whatever. But I guess there is a another episode airing, which obviously when you listen to this, you'll know since I'm like a week behind. But um, yeah, so next one is board on board on board. So we have more to look forward to. Okay, there is no Flash, but we do have the return of Stargirl. So season two, episode one, Summer School, chapter one, which is like a weird title. Uh, it starts off uh, in Me- Melody Hills, Indiana. Decades ago, it's someone's birthday. You hear some of the kids laughing. This girl, Rebecca, she's across the street. She isn't allowed to go because she made a scene at the store because she wanted this doll. And then the girl's like, well, daddy would let me go or whatever. And the mom's like, well, he's out on a call, so you're stuck you know, with me. And so Rebecca, the girl, sits on a porch swing. She can hear the kids you know, at the party or whatever. And then the wind chimes start going, and then there's this kid in the front yard. He says his name is Bruce, and he just moved in. He asks her if she wants to go to the party, and she says that she can't because her mom said so. And then he's like, well, I don't see your mom. And then he's like, come on, it's just across the street. It'll be fun. Come on. So he runs, a, he runs across the street. She's like following him. She almost gets hit by a truck. The truck goes by and the kid's gone. So she goes over anyways, crosses the street. She looks at the, you know, you can see the kids in the living room, whatever. There's a table like outside on the porch, like full of presents. And then the kid's now behind her, the kid Bruce, whatever. And he's like, oh, you should take one. He's like, Susie has so many. I bet there's a doll in there somewhere. He's like, no one's looking. 
So she goes up, she's like looking at the different presents, she grabs this big long box and she goes down the steps. But then instead of going back home, she goes to the front yards, like, cause there's like some bushes. So she's like just stuck down there. Then the kid's like, oh, I wonder what it is. She opens it and then she's like disappointed. It's like this burnt, ugly doll. Um, she picks it up and then like the eyes glow red. So she like drops it, you know, it like scares her. But then when she looks at it again, it's like normal. Then the kid's like, hey, you stole that. It's like you told her to. His skin kind of turns purple, purple, and his eyes. It's like well, three fourths of his face is purple because it's Eclipso, obviously. And then you know his eyes are like red. He holds up like a, the Eclipso gem or whatever, and he's like, "You're a bad girl." And there's this big bright flash. Then we see her mom looking for her. Um, she sees a party, and then she puts her hands on her hip. She's like, "That girl." So she walks over in a huff. She's like in the front yard, and she's about to go up the steps, but then she ends up you know going to the front of the bushes and then she screams the mailbox says mcniter so what that means um rebecca the little girl her dad is probably charles mcniter chuck dr midnight so i don't know um i i mean i don't i'm not big on my dr midnight history so i don't know if he had a kid if something happened or i'm sure that'll be the connection that we'll we'll hear about later in, in or sometime in the season so in the present star girl's flying around at night on patrol she like lands in an alley she hears something you know she's got her staff all lit up she's ready to shoot her. it's just a raccoon so the others are there too you know dr midnight our man and wildcat they're all in costume rick um our man he's sarcastically he's like did you look in the garbage can for a villain too or whatever she just kind of like laughs it off she's like oh sarcasm whatever and and um so she's like it's just 27 minutes until curfew so she wants to do like one more sweep around town or whatever and then uh she asks beth if uh the goggles are picking up any trouble and there's like you know she comments she's like they're just just not as much fun without chuck so you know it's just like generic you know computer ai or whatever nothing turns up um rick goes on he's like i beat solomon grundy gambler's a wimp cindy probably got crushed you know with brainwave brainwave icicle was shattered you know Sportsmaster and tigress are locked up he's like the isa are done he's like he, so they basically just want to call it a night but she uh courtney she's like but we're the justice side of america she's like we can't quit and they're like we're not quitting you know we're, we're protecting a town that doesn't need it so Courtney suggests, she's like, well, how about we cut back to patrolling from seven nights to six? And they just like walk away and, you know, go back home. So at home, she's like looking at old JSA files in the, ba in the basement. Pat walks down, it's four in the morning. He's like, have you been up all night? And she says that, you know, they agreed to be honest. So she's like, yes. And he's like, well, what about your, your history final? And she's like, oh, I'll ace that. She holds up a file. She's like, what happened to Per Degaton? And Pat's like, the flash banished him to an alternate timeline and then she's like black briarthorn and he's like no whatever baron blitzkrieg and then he's like that's enough and she's like and it's not she's like i have a responsibility as star girl to stay vigilant and you know he's like you have a responsibility as courtney whitmore to focus on normal stuff and he says that he's like you need to worry about grades and you know getting ready for career or whatever she's like i have a career as star girl and, you know, she says that they stopped the ISA and, you know, she's like, the staff is still lighting up. So there must be something, you know, some danger out there. Pat says that being a superhero doesn't mean that your life takes a back seat. It's about finding a balance. And she should be taking advantage of times like these, you know, the fact that it's quiet is a good thing. And she says, you know, just because they, we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Because, you know, she thinks there's like evil lurking, you know, around wherever. And he's like, you know, you need to go to bed. And then she's like, well, what about Gentleman Ghost? And he's just like, he's like, to bed. 
So then uh, after you leave the basement, uh, the green lantern flickers a couple times. So it kind of like lights up. Then the next day, Mike comes home from, from, so this must be in the morning, and he comes home from the paper out. Pat has a map out. He's planning the family trip. <clears throat> he mentions Yellowstone National Park. Um, he says that that's where his dad took him after he graduated junior high. He talks about, you know, they're going to rent a cabin, you know, have jet skis, a whole work. Pets are welcome, so their dog, I forget what the dog's name is. Um, Mike was hoping that they'd start the summer learning the ropes, you know, the family business. You know, he wants to go to the garage and learn to fly the robot and shoot the giant fist. And, you know, he says that he's like, I, you know, I have to think about the future. You know, he's like the paper route thing. He's like, that ain't it. He's like, it's all going digital. And then, you know, he puts a paper down. It shows like Taco Wiz was vandalized. So that's, you know, it's something that's going to come up in just a few minutes. Pat talks about responsibility. He's like, you know, you're not quitting your job. And Mike's like, well, how am I supposed to deliver papers at Jellystone? Which is, haha, Yellowstone, not Jellystone. Um, Pat says that he's already talked to his, um, his boss, to Mike's boss, his buddy Jakeem who is going to probably be a bigger role in this season, is going to help out. Courtney and Barbara come in, and he tells Courtney about the trip because she didn't know about it. He's like, you know, relaxation for two weeks, no cosmic staff, no stripe. And Mike's like, why don't we vote on it? And she's like, yeah. So it's tied, obviously, two to two, but then the dog barks with the parents, so it's decided. So Beth has her laptop hooked up to the goggles. She's trying to restart the Dr. McNider AI. Um, it's going, it's going, but then the reboot failed. Her mom comes in. She's late for work. Dad has to run too. Beth, of course, made breakfast for them. And she tells them, she's like, it's the last day of school. And it's like, they're so unaware. It's like, do you even care about your kid? And then um, they're like, oh, you know, good luck on that, whatever. So they, they like leave and, um, you know, they take their containers of, of lunch or whatever. And then Beth grabs her bag and she accidentally knocks some papers over. And when she puts them back on a little table, she sees petition for divorce. So her parents are getting divorced. Rick um, drives and he's listening to radio. A guy mentions 200 pounds of nachos were eaten at Taco Wiz by a bear. Um, earlier in the week, Waffle World, the manager found that all the syrup was missing or whatever. So Rick's, uh, he stops his car on the side of the road, like where his parents were killed, I think. He gets out, starts walking through the woods or whatever, but then he finds like bottles of syrup and then he sees like this big footprint. So obviously it's probably Grundy hiding out in the woods. Yolanda's like walking in the morning and she stops by the church uh, since, you know, she's not allowed at church because her parents, you know, don't approve of her sending a boy pictures of her or whatever. So she goes into the confessional thing and then the father gets in. He's like, do you want to talk today, my child? She hesitates. And then she finally says, she's like, I just want to sit again if that's okay. So then she walks out and then she starts getting like a ring in, in her head and she sees like, you know, flashes of being a wildcat, whatever. And she's breathing heavily. She looks back at the confessional, but then she's relieved when just the, the priest walks out. So I don't know what she thought was in there, like what's going on. Courtney goes about uh, on about the, the cruelty of the trip. You know, she's talking to Yolanda. She's like, this is so unfair and everything, whatever. Um, Yolanda's kind of like in a daze, you know, not barely even listening. And then, you know, she says, you know, maybe it's a good thing to take a break. Uh, she says that, you know, she's like, I still hear brainwave. So maybe that's what, you know, she was hearing. She's like, uh, the, the sound that she heard when he died, you know, it's it's like it's stuck in her head. And she's like, I don't know if I deserve to be Wildcat. She's like, Ted Grant never would have done that. And she's like, oh, no, 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 whatever. But then they see Cameron's back. So Cameron's uh, Icicle's kid, right? And uh, Courtney's, she's like, I don't know what to say. And Yolanda's like, don't say anything. Because she's like, you know, Henry might still be alive if he didn't find out about his father. So Pat goes to the garage. He meets with this dude named Zeke about helping out 
with some some of the projects that he's working on at the garage. And of course, Zeke asks about the employee only door. He's like, "Oh, is that where like the, the kitchen is or whatever?" And because that's the back room where Stripe is. But Pat's like, "No, it's it's just storage. You know, it's it's kind of a bit of a mess. So you don't you know you don't need to worry about what's in there, which kind of makes it suspicious." Um, at school, it's lunchtime. Uh, t- before Rick can leave his class, the teacher wants to talk to him. She's like, you got every question on the final correct. She's like, how did you do that? And he's like, I studied whatever. She's like, here's a different test from last year with different questions. She's like, you're going to sit and take it right now as I watch you. And he's like, he's looking at her like just, he's like, I saved you. He's like, I saved everyone in the stupid town. And she's like, what? And he's like, you know what? He's like, fail me. And she's like, I will. So he like aces test, but she thinks he cheated. Courtney tells Yolanda that she's been researching time travel because Per Degaton may have been defeated by the JSA or whatever, but he could still be a threat. Um, they sit by Beth, who was in a daze because she's thinking about her parents getting divorced. They're like, "Where's Rick? He, he must have taken off." Artemis, um, she walks up. She's talking about her presence, her parents being in prison, and then she's like, "Oh, someone set them up or whatever." And she has like a hockey stick. And then she looks at Courtney like she's about to attack her. So I was like, does she know or whatever? And then Courtney gets up, grabs a stick, flips Artemis or whatever, and holds like the stick at her face. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? And then she's like, I was just giving the stick to this other kid or whatever. So then she like walks off. You're like, you weirdo or whatever. And then uh, the, I guess the new principal, he comes and takes Courtney to the office. So her parents are called in. And apparently... You know, he talks about her, you know, moving to town and, you know, because he just moved there or whatever and, you know, adjusting and she's doing well. But she failed her history in English final. And if she wants to continue on to junior year, she has to enroll in summer school, which begins the very next day. It's like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, you at least give the kids like a couple days break or, you know, at least a weekend. So, um then, you know, they, as they leave the office, you know, Barbara's like, you promised, you know, school work would come first. And she's like, you really need to decide if putting on the mask is worth messing up everything else in your life. And Pat asks her about, you know, getting in a fight with Artemis Croc. And she's like, you could have been expelled. And she's like, you know, the JSA isn't the only team you're on. She's like, the family's a team, too. And she mentions, she's like, well, the staff is still lighting up. And he asks, he's like, why do you think it's up to you to solve everything? And she says, well, like the staff, I don't quit. He's like, not like you did. And then she's she's like, ooh. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, whatever. He's like, that's okay. He's like, you're putting Stargirl away for two weeks. And she's like, well, what am I supposed to do? He's like, he's like, summer school. So I, I it's still not clear. It's like, did she, I, I almost wonder, it's like, did she purposely fail her classes so they wouldn't have to go on a vacation? But maybe she just, she thought she was going to ace it, but she didn't, wasn't as ready as she thought she was. So that's, it wasn't really clear. So um, that dude at the end of the first season who said he was Sylvester Pemberton, I'm still questioning that. But he um, he pulls up to his, like this bar diner, or whatever, in his GTO. He he like looks at himself in a mirror and then he gets out. So like, why is he checking himself out? Um, this waitress comes up. Her name's Maggie. You know her name tag. She comes up, takes his order and everything like that. She's like, anything else? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm looking for your ex husband. And she's like, oh yeah, which one? He's like the one who like stripes. So is that Pat's ex-wife? Courtney walks home and she sees Cameron again because there's like this big mural that I guess he's going to paint or whatever. So she decides to go talk to him, even though Yolanda says she shouldn't. They're talking and everything like that. And then his grandparents, his evil grandparents that you know know everything that Icicle is doing, they see them talking and they're they're like, um, she should, or he should know the wicked truth about her. 
And then the, the grandfather's like, oh, but he's smiling. He's like, leave them be. So Pat returns to the garage. He calls. He's going to tell Zeke. He's like, oh, we're not taking a trip after all. And then he hears some noises in the back room. So Zeke's checking out Stripe. He's like, I knew you were building something. He's like, a robot. He's like, you know, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, don't tell me what it's for. He's like, sometimes a man just needs to build himself a robot. And, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, a flamethrower, you know, would fit perfectly in the palm of the hand right there. He's like, I'm going to go get my tool, whatever his tools. And he's like, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, this partnership's going to be great because he said before when they'd worked together as a partnership and he's like, just for two weeks. So now Zeke, you know, wants to be partners or whatever. Um, Because Zeke has like his own tow truck, so he must own like another garage or something like that. Rick goes out to the woods again with foods. He puts like three buckets of chicken out on the ground, and then he like walks away. And we just hear like some growling after he leaves. So obviously, it's it's, he's leaving food for Grundy, even though Grundy killed his parents. So he's got this weird, you know, because he he let him go instead of killing him. Um, Beth is making like this fancy candlelit dinner with like wine and stuff for her parents. She's all smiles, like she's thinking this is going to solve everything. Time goes by, and then she's sitting there all alone, whatever. Her mom finally calls. She's like, oh, I meant to text you. She's like, I'm stuck at the hospital. And then um, Chuck calls on the goggles, and, you know, she's like, she he, she puts on, and he's like, who, who are you, whatever. And he, he says that he doesn't know her, and he then he shuts off because, you know, she tells him his name. So she's like, please don't forget me, Chuck. So she's all sad because, you know, her parents are divorced. Chuck was, like, becoming her best friend, and now he doesn't even, the, the AI doesn't even know her. Courtney's sitting in a room looking at files again. The staff's lying on her bed. She opens her yearbook and she looks at Cindy's picture. Um, and then the staff lights up because there's a noise downstairs. So she goes investigate. She's carrying the staff. Someone is sneaking out of the basement with the lantern. And it's like lit up. You know, it's green, glowing green. So uh, she starts attacking. Slices the, the basement door like like a quarter of it at the top she like throws the staff like into the wall like when this burglar tries going out the window the person has like a green was wearing a green ring more fighting more holes like in the, in the, the counter um courtney kicks her into the pantry closet just destroys it uh, she gets courtney gets blasted by the ring lands like on a dining room table which is like busts it and she's like who are you and she's like i'm green lantern's daughter and like Barbara, Mike, and Pat, you know, come down. Barbara's like, like, what is going on? And then Courtney's like, um, I think it was uh, just a misunderstanding. And Pat's like, we seem to be having a lot of, or you seem to be having a lot of those lately. Then at the school, someone's walking the halls, and it turns out it's Cindy. And then she goes, like, she goes into one, you know, all the lockers are open. She pulls out like a file from a locker, and I, I couldn't see what it said on there. And so this is a locker that opens like the secret passageway. So she goes downstairs and she sits at the big ISA table you know, with a big painting, whatever there. And um, so the file is, there's like pictures in there. So there's like a picture, of, I think it was Henry. She tears it in half. There's another p- picture of Artemis. And then there's like this long haired dude that we saw like in the hallway or in the cafeteria or something like that. And then I think it was Cameron. And then there's a picture of Mike. And then, uh, so she lays them all on a table and she holds up like the Eclipso crystal. She's like, I'm, and you hear, um, like, I'm ready to serve you. And she's like, yes, let's go do some recruiting. And you hear like this laugh. So, uh, she's going to try to turn, you know, use the Eclipso crystal to turn people evil. And and one of them is going to be Mike. So, um. We'll have to wait and see what happens. So it was good. Uh, I, I like happy. There's something about the show. You know, it, it's 
it's like it, it just has like this charm or just there's something about it. I don't know how to explain it, but um, it's interesting. You know, they mentioned the Flash and De- per Degaton. So and, you know, um, do we no, we didn't have any crossovers before. So it's like they're trying to put it back into the Arrowverse, even though it wasn't fully the first season. But I guess it kind of is. And I'm trying to think if there was any other mentions. But um, there, there's again, there, there's just there's a nice thing about. Your, oh, because Jay Garrick's supposed to appear, you know, as, as you know, he was, you know, so we'll see. But I, I'm, I'm glad the show's back. And uh, so it, it's good stuff. With Superman and Lois, so season one, episode 14, The Eradicator. Oh, my goodness. So it's like they keep pulling out, like, all the stops. Like, you just keep doing, like, all these big crazy things. And I'm just like, how are you going to do a season two when you're just doing, like, all these big... I mean, obviously, there's going to be... Anyways, so Morgan Edge is still out by the sun with the Eradicator, like, whatever. You hear voices, uh, you know, saying that he will be the Eradicator, you know, voices of his dad, memories, or whatever. And then you hear, like, by the mere touch of your hand, the people will be resurrected. And then Ed, Edge is like, you know, his face, it's kind of, it was kind of comical, you know, seeing as all the energy is being absorbed or whatever. And then it cuts to three weeks later on the farm, you know, whatever. Uh, Clark says, you know, it's it's still not safe with Edge out there. But then Jordan's like, but me and John still go to school. So it's like, how is, you know, going to Sarah's less safe? And then Lois asks if her parents will be home and there's a pause. And he's like, I guess. And Lois is like, you guess or you know. And he's like, well, they're having another open house. So I'm sure there'll be adults there somewhere. And Clark's like, huh? And Lois is like, she's like, well, I know you and Sarah have gotten close lately. She's like, you know, we want to make sure you're making wise choices and being responsible. And, you know, Lois wants to, he's like, why don't you take your brother? And John's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'll pass at, at being a chaperone. He's like, because he wants to go out and uh, help John Henry in the, the barn with his suit, whatever. And Lois is like, you've been spending a lot of time with him lately. And, you know, he's like, well, he's basically a genius who saved dad's life twice. He's like, I think that I could learn a lot from him. And Clark's like, well, you know, we're just not that comfortable with you, you know, building those kinds of weapons. And Jonathan's like, well, you can't have it both ways. Either, you know, he's a threat or he's not. And then Clark's like, you know, you're making too much sense. He's like, you guys are excused. Then he asked Lois, he's like, when did Lana decide to have an open house? And, you know, she's like, I don't know. She's like, you should go talk to her. And she's like, you know, why don't you pick up some light bulbs too at the hardware store? And Clark's like, I can't. He's like, the, the store went out of business. And Lois's like, that's the fourth local business in the past month. And he's like, you know, everyone is really hurting it. You know, it's like Edge left the place worse than when he found it. And Lois is like, she's like, it doesn't help that the DOD is still here. And then Clark, like, you know, you hear that noise. He, he like, listen, he's like, speaking of, it's like, it's your dad. And she's like, did he find Edge? And he, Clark's like, no, but he seems upset. And she's like, he's always upset. So uh, it was weird. He Maybe he oh, maybe he hit the signal. I don't know. But then they're, like, in the city at the their little makeshift uh, base thing. So he's holding up the newspaper. DOD holds Smallville hostage. It's like the headline. He asked Lois, like, did you know about this? And she's like, yeah. She's like, Chrissy ran it by me last night. And he's like, and you didn't do anything? And, you know, because she called them an occupying force. And Lois is like, well, you know, you've been here for a month. She's like, people want to know when you're going to leave. He's like, we'll leave when it's safe. He's like, but I can't say that because they'll panic. He's like, I can't say that Morgan Edge is still out there. He's like, you know, she's like, well, you just have to be honest for once. And he's like, you know, too many of those answers lead back to the family and the secrets that, you know, keeping you safe. So, you know, he's like upset and everything. 
Clark goes over to Lana's. Um, she says, she's like, oh, Jordan's out back with Sarah. And he's like, no, he's like, I'm here for the open house. And, you know, they joke around, they talk. Uh, he says that it feels like she's been avoiding him lately. And she says that, you know, when she sees him, she's reminded of everything that they'll be losing. And, you know, because she's like, when, you know, you left, I would have done anything to, to keep you here, but you needed a fresh start. And she's like, you know, that's what we need now. And, you know, he's like, I was a kid then. He's like, you've been here your whole life. You know, he's like, now that my mom's gone, you're the heart of Smallville. And she's like, no. She's like, yeah, you are. And, you know, she's like, that Smallville is gone. She's like, you know, people used to look out for each other. She's like, after what Morgan Edge did, it's like that trust is gone. And he's like, well, we have to rebuild it. And she's like, well, you know, we've made up our minds. And, you know, Sarah's kind of listening out, outside. And she tells Jordan, she's like, well, your dad crashed and burned. And Jordan's like, so there's no way, you know, that you're staying. And she's like, oh, no, we are. And she's like, you know, people can't get out of Smallville fast enough. She's like, no sane person is moving here. And, you know, but then he's like, that's not what your mom said. You know, she's pretty set that you're leaving. And she looks back at the house. She's like, how'd you hear that? And then she's like, well, whatever. You know, she's like, we've only had one crappy offer in a place. And he's like, well, that's great. He's like, well, not that a crappy offer. He's like, it's great that you're staying. So they, they kiss, whatever. And Sophie comes around the corner. I'm telling mom. And, and then she's like, Sophie. She like runs out after her. And, you know, George just kind of laughs. Back at the barn. Uh, you know, Jonathan and uh, is talking to John about John Henry about the suit. Jonathan, he's like, whatever modif what other modifications are you making? And John Henry doesn't really want to talk to them. And then Jonathan asks about like the, the bug on the armor. And John Henry is like, that was Nat's idea. And Jonathan's like, she helped you build your war suit. That's awesome. And he looks at him. He's like, that's not awesome. He's like, she was 14 years old and her mom just died on TV in front of her. It's like her whole childhood was stolen from her. And he tells Jonathan that he's like, you should be outside doing something. And Jonathan's like, I just want to learn from you. And John Henry's like, well, I don't have anything else to teach you. Go bother someone else. So a little harsh, but, you know, that, that's the reality of it. So Lois goes to the paper. She says she just got an earful from her dad. But, you know, Chrissy was right to publish. You know, people deserve some answers. Uh, Chrissy asks if, if you think if she thinks they'll get any more to town hall meeting. Lois is like, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, she doesn't trust anyone uh, else to ask the hard questions that need to be asked. Chrissy's like, well, that's going to make the next part, you know, even hard. She's like, I got an offer to, you know, sell the Gazette. And she's like, oh, don't tell me it's a, you know, it's a billionaire or whatever. She's like, no, it's a multinational conglomerate. Lois like, that's worse. She's like, they won't care about the news. They'll destroy everything that, you know, we built here. And Chrissy's like, she's like, I know, but, you know, what other choice do I have? She's like, our, you know, tiny subscriber base just got tinier. And she's like, you know, if I, if I continue she's like i'll be you know drowning you know within a month or something like that so uh morgan edge is still <laughs> by the sun and then finally it's done worthy sacrifice let us begin the time has come let crimpton be reborn whatever at the high school clark and lois i guess that's where the town hall meeting is or they're going there people inside are chanting no more dod no more dude just like whatever dudes um kyle says that you know at, at their house he says he's going to swing by the station to pick up some stuff because he figures that everyone's going to be at the town hall meeting uh, Lana's like, you think we're making the right choice? She's like, are we rushing into things? He's like, oh, is this because, you know, something Clark said? And she's like, well, you know, or he's, he, you know, she says something. But he's like, well, you know, the Kents have been real great to them, but, you know, that, that generosity was not going to put food on our table. At the diner, Sarah, Jordan, Jonathan are, are hanging out. Three football players come in, including uh, 
uh, Sarah's ex or whatever, uh, one of their, their parents are out of town, so they're they're picking up a keg and stuff like that. And they want them to go. They like to, kind of ignore Sarah or whatever. And she's like, "That's fine." She's like, "I promise, Sophie, I do like princess hairstyles or whatever with her." So she's telling you know she tells Jordan that they should go. Lois uh, offers. You know, she tells her dad that she'll help at the meeting, you know, if he needs it, whatever. Um, before Sam can say anything, you know, he stands up. This annoying lady stands up. When are your soldiers going to leave our town? Ah! You know, everyone's like starts. Yeah, yeah. It's like, shut up. He starts talking. Um, but like, you know, he's like, once all the hazardous material has been removed from the mines, uh, you know, the soldiers in the streets are, or they, they say that soldiers are scaring people and they're like, what's in the mines? And he's like, well, we can't publicly say what's in the mines, whatever. And then Chrissy asks, she's like, well, where's Morgan Edge now? And he's like, I can't publicly comment on that. And then she's like, why not? And you know, she's like, you know, people are afraid and they want to know, you know, is he still in custody? Lois stands up and she's like, no, he's not. And she's like, Superman and DOD are looking for him. Then uh, the, the one lady, Derek Powell's mom, is just like, don't believe a word this man says. She's like, she's like, I know he's been lying for months and I have proof. It's like, what proof do you have? So Kyle's at the station. Uh, Tamara, his coworker, she's there. She mentions how um, he had her back. Uh, when you know she first applied there or whatever, and you know because she was dealing with a bunch of stuff, not just because you know she wasn't just a woman trying to join the force, but she was a black woman on top of it. So you know he's like, well, you know, we proved the others wrong or whatever, and she's like, well, I was hoping we could do that again, and he's like, well, I don't know, and she's like, I got a, a I talked to the chief in Bristol, which is the other, you know, I guess he called, and then and when she leaves, she's like, I told him that you know he'd be lucky to have you. She's like, good luck, boss. Because, you know, he said he was just, like, you know, looking at the options or whatever. Um, Leslie Lahr, she's sitting in her kryptonite prison. Then there's, like, a bunch of shooting and yelling outside. So, um, obviously, Morgan Edge is coming. Um, so, that uh, lady, Derek Powell's mom, whatever, says she has a letter about her son's death signed by him saying that the death is under investigation. She's like, he died because of what Morgan Edge did. She's like, you've known for months and you didn't bother saying anything to me or whatever. And then she tells Lois, you know, because Lois tries saying something, she's like, you have no idea what it's like to lose a child, which we know she does. Um, Sam gets word that they just got a, a hit on Edge that he attacked her installation. So he's like, he's like, we have to leave, whatever. But then uh, um, Lois like, you, you can't. The people start chanting, we want answers. We want answers. It's like so lame. Lois outside, she tells her dad, she's like, we have to get back inside. Um, Sam says that Edge has Lar now. Superman zips in, saying he's like they're not there. He's like, and then John Henry uh, comes in, in his suit. He's like that because they have a different target. He's like, my scanner picked him up just after they left. They're going to Metropolis, and then uh, I, I forget who says it, but it's just like on John Henry's Earth. Lois says that you know there's a bigger picture uh, on Iron's Earth. They had an army, but Iron says uh, his scanner says they're, they're still at Centennial Park. So Lois and Superman arrive with Irons. Edge is just floating above. Superman looks closely and there's like this blue energy or whatever and like his eyes and stuff like that. And, you know, his face is kind of crackly and he's like, he's like, I don't think that's, that's edge anymore. And then, but then like, I think Lois is like, then who is it? So at the party in Smallville, Jonathan and Jordan arrive, uh, Jordan phones beep. It's, he's like, it's granddad. And Jonathan's like, well, don't answer it. And Jordan's like, well, he never calls. He's like, just be a normal kid for once, whatever. That girl, Tegan, that uh, wanted answers, just trying to get answers from Jonathan. She's at the party. She wants to talk to Jonathan. Kyle comes home. He tells Lana he was talking to Tamara. He's like, you know, maybe you were right. And then his phone rings. They uh, go into Sophie's room. And Kyle's, he got a job offer in Bristol County. 
And Sarah's like, but that's two hours away. And she goes off on him. She's like, you were all about, you know, people abandoning Smallville and now you're ready to run. And she's like, you know, you were kissing Morgan Edge's, you know, ass. And then Lana's like, well, you can't blame your dad. She's like, I blame both of you. She's like, you're both so freaking stupid. She like walks out. Teenagers. Um, Lara tells Superman that they thought it'd be fitting that the first city to fall would be the one that Superman fought for for so long. Superman's like, we're not giving up the city. And Superman says that the edge, he's like, Tal Row, no one else needs to get hurt. And Lara's like, there is no more Tal Row anymore or whatever anymore. And then John Henry's AI picks up four more Kryptonian signatures in the park. He tells Superman they have company. And then you see four people rise up. Edge says something in Kryptonian and then uh, the, the four fly off. Superman tells Iron to keep um, an eye on Edge. He flies after them. Lar takes advantage and she like shoves Irons through a statue. He recovers. Um, but then uh, the one Superman are chasing starts like shooting beams at buildings, just like shooting, like tearing them down, just like on, on uh, John Henry's Earth. He takes one of them down hard. He's like slams them, punches them down to the ground or whatever. Uh, Lar is still punching um, irons. His armor goes down like thing like fifty five percent, whatever. He's he's like that's enough. He zaps her with something. He calls his hammer, um, but he gets zapped by another one. And this AI says it's gonna take ninety seconds or whatever for the kinetic energy thing to get back online so he can get his hammer. Tegan talks to Jonathan. Um, She's like, yeah, I was fishing for answers, but I did want to hang out with you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, um, you know, he's like, I did ask you out before or something like that. And she says that, you know, she's become the queen of mixed messages. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I was, you know, warned about you. And then she's like, hmm. She's like, ever ever since she moved there, people have been hard on them, whatever. And he's like, oh, you weren't, you know, you didn't live here your whole life. She's like, no, we moved from Central City. She's like, you know, my, my dad was in prison. So, you know, mom wanted a fresh start or whatever. She said that she was smiling at him and stuff before because she knew what what he was going through, you know, moving there from another place or whatever. Sarah shows up at the party later and she wants to talk to Jordan and you know the her ex is being like a jerk or whatever like that and she just like snaps at him. So she tells him that her dad got a job offer. Then um then uh, you know people are talking stuff. Then this girl's like like quiet down. She's like something's happened in Metropolis. So they turn on the news because she was on her phone. So uh, Lois uh, goes to the top of the GBS building because she asked some dude, whatever, if they have anyone with a camera and there's someone on top of the building. So she wants to report on what's going on. So there's this lady up there with a the camera. And Lois like, we need to tell people about, you know, what's happening. And because you know, it's just like on Iron's Earth or whatever. You see her standing there because the lady's like, well, you should do it, whatever. And so she's, she's standing with the city behind her. It's just like when she was killed. So Kyle turns on the news, see Lois is saying that Edge is able to give people powers. And then Lara appears behind Lois and Jonathan tells Jordan, she's like, this is how mom dies. So the camera lady tells Lois, she's like, behind you, Irons gets his hammer and then sends it flying past a dude that um, was going to attacking him. He's like, you missed. It goes flying past, but then slams into Lara, knocks her away. And it comes flying back to, to Irons, hits the other guy. And then um, she reports that, you know, it's unknown how many have been infected. They have to be alert. She mentions that, you know, Superman isn't fighting alone because Iron's like, I never miss or something like that. Irons and Superman approach Edge. They're blasted back when they try getting up close. And then uh, they get up, but then Edge is gone. So Sam um, is told by one of his, like, the boys aren't at the farm. They don't know where they're at. Jordan and Sarah talk. He says, he's like, oh, I don't want to lose you. And he's like, you know, we can call, we can text, we can video chat. She fears that if they do to distance that they'll start to hate themselves or something like that. 
And then Sam walks in the party. He's like, where are my grandsons? And then he sees him. He's like, get in the car. And a, a kid is like, can you tell us anything more? It's what's going on. And he's like, do I look like I give classified information to drunk teenagers? And the kid's like, mm? and he just like sits back down. And then Jordan's like, can we at least take Sarah home? You know, it's been a really long night. And Sam kind of looks at TV. He's like, oh, of course. So uh, Lara and the others are being taken back into custody. So they're all like busted, all defeated. Superman asks her how was Edge able to use Eradicator. And she's like, always one step behind Kal-El. Irons and, and Superman say that when Edge talk, you know, it sounded like there was a whole bunch of voices. And Lois like, maybe that's why you never found Eradicator. <laughs> it's like, of course. Makes perfect sense, Lois. Um, Irons asks, because Edge somehow made himself the Eradicator? Um, is that even possible? And Lois like, well, that would explain his new powers. And Superman says that and the four new, you know, that would also explain the four new subjects. Lois asks, like, well, where would he go next? And Lara's like, isn't it obvious to go make more? So in the car, Sam says, he's like, I run a DOD. You think I wouldn't be able to find my own grandsons? They hear some noises and stuff. And then Edge is standing right in, in the middle of the road in front of him. The SUV hits them and goes, it flips over, goes flying through the air, flips several times and everything, and finally like, slams down. And then Ed just turns around and looks at the wreckage. So they're kind of like injured inside. Sam, t um, he's, he's like, there's a, a pistol in the glove box with kryptonite bullets. He's like, I need one of you to come up and shoot. Because, you know, he's like, whatever. Um, Jonathan is, is, is kind of hurt, but it's his other shoulder or something like that that got hit. So he crawls up there, he gets a gun, and Edge, Edge is just like standing there. And then Sam's like, you'll just have one shot at this. So he aims and then he shoots, but Edge zips away. He's like, did you get him? He's like, where'd he go? Then the door rips open on the, in the back and he, Edge pulls Jordan out. Sarah climbs out as well. And then Jordan's like, I love you. And then Edge zips them away. And Jonathan's like, no. And he tells Sarah, he's like, you need to get home. You need to get your dad. So she runs off. And then Jonathan, you know, Sam tells him to hit the Superman device. Like, call your dad or whatever. So Superman gets there. He's like, Edge took Jordan. You have to go. So Edge brings Jordan some, like, abandoned, like, water factory duct place. I don't know what it is. And Jordan's like, what do you want with me? And then Edge starts zapping him. Um, Superman flies to the atmosphere and he listens. He's and then he returns to Irons and Lois and he's she's like, Where are the boys? And Edge he says, Edge took Jordan. And he says, like, I looked everywhere, he's gone. And then she cries in her arm. She's like, What are we gonna do? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know, maybe the place was lead lined, but why wouldn't he be able to hear him? I don't, I, well, I'm not really sure on that. So then uh, Edge or Eradicator or whatever, he's finished. And then Jordan, you know, he's like on the ground. He looks at his hands. He stands up. And then he talks as Zeta Rowe. Well done, my son. Now let's begin. And his eyes glow. So uh, Jordan's gone. And now he is uh, Morgan Edge's dad. And uh, season finale is next week, which stinks. But, oh, man, this has been a good show. So, like I said, I mean, it's like they're, like I said, they're pulling out all the stops. And uh, it's like, how are they, what are they going to do next season? Because at first I was like, oh, Jordan's powers are getting amped up. But it's like, no, he, they're getting so amped up that he's no longer himself. So, but he could be fine if they are able to flip it back. I don't know. Okay, then we had What If. So, What If has started on Disney Plus. So, it is an animated. It's just, if you've read the comics, you know, what if something happened? And basically, you know, it tells a story where one little thing changes everything. So the first episode is what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Is that grammatically correct? 
What if Captain Carter were? What if Captain Carter was the first Avenger? Were the first Avenger? I don't know. It's, to me, it sounds weird, but I'm I'm a math major, not an English major. So it starts off, you hear um, the, the Watcher, time, space, reality. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities, creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am the Watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question, what if? So I wonder if we're going to get that like every single week, if he's going to say that. I I mean, I get why they would, but I kind of hope not. So we're on Earth, June 1943. Nazi armies marching Allied forces banded together to make a new kind of soldier, a super soldier. Um, we see Steve Rogers uh, getting put into like the chamber tube thing, whatever. In Humanity's Darkest Hour, a skinny kid from Brooklyn became Captain America. After turning the tide World War II, he made the ultimate sacrifice, restoring peace and saving the universe. But... In another universe, a single choice created a whole new hero. So we cut back a little bit. We see Peggy and Steve looking down at like the super soldiers, you know, that, that room where all the equipment is. And Steve's like, all this for just one soldier? And, uh, you know, Peggy's like, you know, Paris has fallen. London might be next. She's like, if this work, it could be the end of the war. So Peggy's standing in the room. Um, instead of going into the booth, they're like, are you sure? Whatever. So then uh, the, the traitor, he stands by. Steve is you know, going to go into the chamber. But then Peggy sees him. He sets off this bomb. The professor, he, he gets hit or shot or whatever. The guy grabs a vial of the serum. Um, Steve gets up. He's like on this walkway. He's you know standing up to the guy, but then he gets shot. Peggy stands up front, shoots the dude first. So she goes to Steve, and Howard's like, "The power levels are dropping. So like, either we do it now or we lose the project." So this like Colonel dude, whatever, because like Rogers, whatever. And Peggy's like, "He can't," because you know he's like injured and everything. He, he's he's alive, but he's hurt. Then the Colonel tells he's like, "Stark, you need to go in." He's like, "Hey, I'm just a buttons guy. I can't go in." So she tells him, she's like, I'll be right back. He's like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. So she gets in the chamber and the colonel's like, what are you doing? And she's like, this is our only only chance. And you know, she puts the, the, the vial back in or whatever. Flynn tells Stark, he's like, don't do this. But he does it anyways. And then the place is all, you know, it's, Rondam's like smoke and fire or whatever. The chamber lights up. When it opens, Stark goes to her and she's like, did it work? He's like, and then some. He's like, you won't be needing those heels anymore. Or no more, he says, I think. And then Steve looks, he's like, wow. So Flynn is upset that the colonel dude, he's like, $60 million. He's like, I was promised an army. All I got is a girl. And she's like, um, she's like, I understand that this isn't the desired outcome. She's like, but I can be more than just a human pincushion because they're taking like a bunch of vials, you know, blood samples from her. And he's like, well, I run the SSR. You know, it's under my command now. He's like, you should be grateful that you're in here and not being brought up on charges of insubordination. And then she's like, you know, we were about to lose the entire project. She's like, if I didn't step in. And he's like, he's like, but, you know, you did or whatever. He's like, every last drop of Dr. Erskine's serum went into you. And he's like, if, if we get lucky, someday your blood will, you know, tell us how to make a super soldier. And she's like, you have one. And he's like, women aren't soldiers, whatever. And then we see her in the gym, punching the, knock, the punching bag, knocks it off the chain or whatever. She picks up like a big weight, chucks it across the room and it looks like sticks in the wall. And there's like a bunch of other ones in there. And then she's like, well, it could be worse. They could stick you in a silly costume, you know, to put on shows. And she's like, they wouldn't do that. Would they do that? And then Steve sees, uh, he's like, Bucky's being shipped out, you know, outside. So Hydra's in Norway. Uh, Red Skull, Tesseract, all that stuff. He gets it. He kills the old dude guarding it, just like in uh, First Avenger. Stark, Carter, and Flynn are talking about it. Um, she's like, I can go. 
And but you know, Flynn's like, you know, we can't send a whole platoon over, you know, overpowered battery or whatever. So Stark is talking to Peggy at a bar. He gives her a package. It was supposed to be her USO go buy some bonds outfit, but he made some modifications. And and then he also gives her boom, a big shield with like a British flag on her. So there's this Hydra platoon driving. Peggy throws her shield. She starts taking out the transports, flips a truck overhead. She's like, that was brilliant. And she keeps going at it. She's having a you know, great time, whatever. Takes out most, more soldiers. Finally, this you know, big German soldier comes out. And he says, like, oh, the Allies must be desperate for sending a fragile fraud line. She drops her shield. And she's like, okay. And she's like, fun, punches him in the knee or whatever. And I, I don't know if she punched him in the gut or the crotch or whatever. So then... uh. They they bring some I, I don't know I thought they brought the tesseract to to them but maybe they didn't I don't know but their whatever she brought back was good because somehow Skull has a tesseract later but then she's like well you know she has to be promoted she's like Captain sounds nice or something like that so Steve and Peggy are looking at a map and she wants to go um, save his best friend Bucky um, he's he's like well I owe you one she's like well you owe me more than that you owe me a, a dance or whatever. So she's taking out more soldiers this time, you know, at one of their bases. The, the howling commandos hear that they're locked up. She frees them. Um, we see like scenes from the movie, like where they walk in that big room shooting. Uh, we see her like knocking back a mortar shell from a tank with a shield. And then she calls for air support. And then you're Rogers inbound. And he's in this big iron suit. He tells her like Stark made me some new dancing shoes. Like, what do you think? And of course, you know, all they keep talking about dancing. Then Bucky's like, hold on, you can't even drive a car. And then, you know, whatever. So they're going to party. But she's like, we have a war to win. More fighting. Um, you see Flynn on the phone talking to the president. He's like, yeah, I've always been proud of Carter or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I, I told Stark myself to build a Hydra Stomper. He's like trying to take credit for everything. Then we see this German uh, general talking to the Red Skull, or Skull, he's not Red Skull yet. He says that the fur demands he do something, you know, uh, he's just there playing with metal trinkets or whatever. And he says, uh, Skull's like, soon his champion will arrive from beyond the stars. He's like, my champion. And then the, the general's like, what? And then he shoots the general. Pulls off his mask and reveals that he's really the Red Skull. You know, he's, he's got a fake face on. Peggy and Steve are having drinks. Um, he asks, how did it feel to get the serum? And she's like, you know, not much different, whatever, but people are looking at her differently. And he's like, well, you're being respected now. And he says that, you know, he's still a skinny kid from Brooklyn, but now he, he has a metal suit. They're about to kiss, and then Stark interrupts from outside the window because uh, he's like, Barnes stole a Jeep. He's like, come on. He's like, oh, actually, carry on. He's like, and he just like sits there and looks at him with her. But so then we see them on the train mission next. Um, Intel says that Red Skull, the head of Hydra, is on the train. Steve flies up to try to slow down a train. They land on top, you know, from the zip line thing. Um, Barnes almost falls off, but then Peggy grabs him. So it's like she saved him from falling, or whatever. Um, Steve rips the train open. He enters and he sees it's like full of explosives. So he's like, Peggy, whatever, get off. And then whoosh, blows up. Train collapses like off the side of the mountain. You know, they, they're able to, to jump off the back of the train. She screams out to Steve, and Bucky's like, We have to go because, you know, there's the whole mountain's like in an avalanche or whatever. Flynn now is arguing with Stark. He says, <clears throat> You know, Howard said that the Hydra Stomper was indestructible. And Peggy's like, His name is Steve Rogers, not Hydra Stomper. So she's upset, walks away, and Flynn's like, She should have never been in the field in the first place because now, now he's like, You know, she's a, a girl. Peggy goes to Ar Arnim Zola, who's captured. And he's like, oh, I was wondering when you'd come. He's like, you're wasting your time because I would tell you nothing. And then she's back with the others. She's like, he told me everything. 
And he's like, he said the Red Skull believes that he can unleash an interdimensional force that will lead Hydra to world domination. And if that fails, then world annihilation. So they see where he, he's at. Flynn says, he's like, no wonder he targeted Rogers. He's like, we, we'd need him just to get close. But Peggy turns to him and like, Colonel, you're lucky to even be in the room. And she says that you know, Red Skull wants to destroy the world. In some way, he already has. So she wants to return the favor by burning his castle to the ground. If they do this, they might not succeed in ending the war, but they, uh, they might not survive, but they'll stop Hydra. So they all agree to do it. Bucky's like, for Steve, whatever. And Howard's hesitant, but he, then she's like, come on, we might need you know, someone to push a button. So they go there to start attacking. Um, Red Skull scientists unlock the power of the Tesseract and like open up a portal. And then he's like smiling. Bucky sees uh, Hydra stoppers like being held up and like Steve. So he survived. You know, he's he's whatever chained in this room. Red Skull watches as uh, like big tentacles comes out of like this uh, sphere portal thing, whatever. And then uh, Carter comes in and Bucky and Red Skull says that she's too late. They've summoned the but then the tentacle grabs Red Skull and like crushes him. So, so much for his uh, champion. He just ended up killing him. Bucky wakes. Oh, no, wait. So, he, he, Bucky, well, maybe it was Howard that was with Peggy. Because then Bucky, he's with uh, Steve. He wakes him up. He, like, wants a medic. But then Steve's like, he's like, no, he's like, put me back in the suit. And he's like, you know, we need to power it up. He's like, where's Peggy? So, the tentacle thing is growing. Howard thinks that maybe he can reverse the machine to suck it back. So, Peggy tries fighting it. Um, you know, she's in her shield. She picks up a sword from somewhere. Howard starts throwing a bunch of switches, but you know, they're all in German. So he's not really sure which one. Um, he's like, who, who paints a button blue or whatever? So it works. The monster's getting pulled back, but then it has a grasp on Peggy. So she's getting pulled in too. Steve shows up, like manages to like slice the tentacles or whatever. Then he gets grabbed. Peggy returns a favor with the sword after it grabs him. The others are shooting at it. The monster starts shrieking and it hurts like everyone's ears. So Steve carries him out of the castle and comes back. Howard says that he can't close the portal because the thing won't let it because it's like it's keeping the portal open somehow. So Peggy's like, I'll push it back. And then Steve goes to help, but then runs out of power and the suit won't work. And he's like, no, you owe me a dance. And she's like, yes, Saturday night. So she pushes, uh, keeps pushing, pushing, pushes it through the portal and the portal closes. And then the only thing is a Tesseract's left on the floor. So Steve, you know, he's out of the suit, he falls to his knees and then the whole place is pretty much in rubble. So then the, the Tesseract's being used again. Um, pieces of tentacle fly out along with Peggy. So now it's like the scene in the first Avengers movie. So we see Nick Fury and Hawkeye there and Fury says, he's like, ma'am, please put down the sword. And Hawkeye says to him, he's like, sir, that's Captain Carter. And she's like, where's Steve Rogers? And Nick tells her the war ended almost 70 years ago. And then she puts the sword and shield down and Nick's like, she's going to be okay. And she's, she's like, of course we won the war. So that's where it ends, basically. Then the Watcher's like, you know, her choice, her one choice gave birth to a whole new history and gave the multiverse a new hero. And then he goes on about how these are my stories. He's like, but I cannot and will not interfere for I am the Watcher, blah, blah, blah. So um, so the thing is, you know, she survived. So I, I feel like we could see more of this. You know, they, they could do like a part two of this and maybe we see uh, Captain Carter in the modern day. You know, how, how are things going to be different if Loki, you know, comes up and all, all that. So it was good. I mean, the animation at first I thought it was a little weird, especially seeing the trailers, but it, it kind of grew on me and everything. So I, I, 
I feel like it's a little cliche, a little cheesy, like how they replicate some of the scenes, like almost identical. But again, it's kind of cool in a way. So I, I think they did a good job with it and everything. And, you know, all the voice acting was was good. So um, I forget what's uh, what's in the next episode. I don't know if it's a Black Panther Star Lord one, but um, I'm enjoying it. So I, I like this. Um, it is weird that it's animated, not live action, but we just it's just easier for them to do, I guess. So it, it's it's a cool show. Okay, now Titans. Titans is, is back. Um, for, I don't know why I was thinking. For some reason, I was thinking that this was season two, but this is actually season three. It's like, wow, that's, that's crazy. So um, HBO Max decided to drop three episodes, which I guess it's cool when they do that. But again, that means two weeks less of this of new episodes. I'm hoping next week or this week that they only drop one episode. I think... I think I might only talk about two episodes this week. We'll see because I'm looking at the time and this is already getting to be a lengthy episode. And then, you know, there's still Star Wars and, and Free Guy to talk about. So we'll see if I do two or three or not. I'm just going to kind of play it by ear. So with uh, season three, episode one, Barbara Gordon, we see J- Jason Todd looking at security footage and some audio and he can hear like Joker attacking some people. He's like, I found him, whatever. And they were like, where's, you know, where's Batman or so like that. So, um, uh, he, Bruce is on a jet. Jason calls him. He's like, I have him. He's like, you know, the cops stumble upon him. You know, it's like I triangulated his location. He's at the amusement park by the pier. And then, you know, Bruce tells him to stand down. He's like, I won't be back until morning. But Jason's like, I got this. He's like, I'm not afraid of him. And then uh, Bruce keeps going on. And finally, he's like, okay, I got you, you know, loud and clear. But then uh, he gets up and he, he looks at his Robin costume in the case. And he also has like this, uh, this like some yellow liquid, you know, like an inhaler thing. And he like puts like the mask over Jason like, and he's like, F the Joker. And he opens up the, the costume case. At the amusement park, he finds a security dude like tied up with like a smile on his face. You know, like behind him, this mechanical clown like turns on and like catches him off guard. And then he gets hit. So Joker's, you know, behind him, hits him with like a crowbar. And then, you know, Jason's on the ground and he looks up. We see, we only see uh, like Joker's like his pant leg and whatever is, you know, his feet and like the crowbar or whatever. And then he hits Jason again and he hits him over and over again. So it's kind of like in a comic, just like, you know, swinging it over his head and he's just like cackling. Then it cuts to Dayton Lab, San Francisco. Someone has taken this uh, green liquid in the bile and the guy's like, this is it. So he's like this. I'm like, who is this? Um, he's this bald dude with goggles. Nightwing is there. He knocks out one of the henchmen and he's taking out the other. He has his scrimmage sticks, you know, they're light up and zapping. And it's all cool. Beast Boy is fighting too. Um, but then it's fine. It's like, did he have to like strip down? Because he turns into a tiger and you just see like a pile of his clothes sitting next to him. So, you know, it would be a bummer if he just has to shred it. But um, maybe he has like breakaway clothes, like stripper breakaway clothing that you know you could just like pull it off, and I don't know. Um, Superboy is there too, and Starfire. You know she takes out a, a this or it was she takes out a few with with blasts or whatever, and she's like, I know I'm hot. It's like come on. Um, then they get to the last guy, the, the guy in the goggles, or whatever, and then you know they're all standing there. And then uh, I think it was a uh, Superboy's like crypto speak, and he barks and it sends out this big shockwave and it hurts the guy's ears, whatever. Um, so apparently this guy was Gizmo, which is like okay, that's cool. So they're they're uh, Starfire is talking to the news. They're after something called the Clench, which is a bioengineered strain of Ebola that struck Gotham a few years back. Um, this cop thanks them, whatever. Uh, another. 
asked Superboy for his autograph for or for a kid. And then um, Beast Boy's like, oh, do you want mine too? And then uh, <laughs> the cop's like, it's like, no, no, I, I'm good or whatever. So um, the reporter talking to Starfire or whatever. And, you know, the mayor is praising them and all, all this stuff. And then they're like, where's Nightwing? And she's like, oh, you know, he, he's around or whatever. But, you know, he's just watching from like up atop because, you know, Batman and Robin don't talk to the press or whatever. And then, you know, he mentions that to Starfire later. She's like, well, that's probably why you, you got such bad press. <laughs> um so then uh, Justin Colt, he calls Starfire. So he saw her in the news. He's in Vegas. He's a therapist, dude. I guess I barely remember whatever. Um, so they talk, whatever. And she's like, she says she'll call him. You know, she, this time she promises, whatever. Nightwing shows up, says she did good with the reporters and like that. That's when they have their conversation. And then um, then he gets a call. So then in, in Gotham, we see this uh, delivery kid. for He works for like the Golden Noodle House. Um, you know, he's looking at this paper and there's like something is like, why bats? He's like, why not bats? So he's like his fan of Batman. He's got like a sticker on his bike or whatever. This cops come up to him. They're like, it's past curfew. What are you doing out? And he's like 24 hour delivery, you know, he, and he's like, here, have, have some noodles on, on us or whatever. And then, um, they, you know, they, they make a comment about Batman being a freak in a rubber suit. And he's like, it's not rubber. And he's like, what? He's like, no, no. He's like, I'm on my way home or something like that. So they get a call about the amusement park. He returns to the restaurant and then, you know, he says, so this, this dude, he's not Asian. And, you know, he says, I don't know if he called him mom or dad or whatever, but they're like the store owners, whatever. And then, um, this, uh, this other kid, uh, comes up and, uh, you know, he, 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 he calls him his cousin. And then he says that, you know, he gives him some money. He's like, you know, you need to buy some new kicks or whatever. He's like, you can't go to school and, and you know, knockoffs or something like that. So then, um, there, so he's like eating his dinner, even though it's so late, but then, uh, the, the TV is on, there's a news report that Robin is dead. Joker's back at Arkham. And then the lady, she says, Oh, Tim, I'm so sorry. So this, I forgot who was cast as Tim, but so this kid is Tim Drake. And, uh, so he's relate. I don't know if he's actually related to them, but you know, he called it, he, the kid called him his cousin. So I don't know. Dick returns to Wayne Manor. He calls out for Bruce. He checks. I think he, he goes into his old room. I'm, I'm assuming it was his room. There's like a flying Grayson's poster. So I don't know if it's his room or if Jason has his, his old room. It's like, are, aren't there like enough room that, you know, they can keep, you know, have their own room or whatever. Um, he goes into the living room and there's a fire going, there's a drink sitting out, the TV's on, whatever. So he goes to grandfather clock, opens it, you know, goes to the bat cave and it's weird. I don't know if we saw it before, but there's like a holographic dinosaur and giant penny in the background and instead of actual one, he calls out to Bruce. Um, and we see Bruce is like on the, on a, the, the floor. He's like trying to wash the blood off of Jason's costume and his mask or whatever. And Dick asks if he can help him with anything or whatever. And he's like, you know, when's the funeral? Bruce says it already happened. He's like, and he's like, what? And he says, you know, the, the mortuary delivered the coffin last night. He had him buried in a family plot next to Alfred. And Dick's like, you know, he's like, I understand that, you know, it's difficult for everyone, especially you. But couldn't you have waited? And Bruce like, he had no family. Dick's like, he had us. Then he sees uh, Bruce is looking at computer screens or whatever. And he's like, there's a new player in Gotham. He's killed seven already. And Dick's like, can we just talk about it for a minute before you jump back into work? And Bruce goes on like, you know, there's you know, he says there's nothing that they can say now to bring him back. And Dick mentions that, you know, when Donna died, you told me not to bury my emotions, you know, not to go through the grief alone. He's like, that was good advice. And Bruce says that advice was meant for you, not me. He's like, you know, everyone's different. He's like, life goes on. He's like, come on, I'll make us some lunch. He's like, lunch. So at Titan's Tower in San Francisco, 
uh, Starfire's talking to Connor and Beast Boy, and she's like, "I'm angry," and she's angry at Jason. She's like, "He never learned. He kept making the same mistakes over and over again." And she, and she tells them, she's like, "You know, you can't be like that. You never stop learning, whatever." And she just like, starts walking away, and she's like, first Donna, now Jason." She's like, "I'm sick of losing people." So Beast Boy, then he's sitting in the room. He's watching like animal videos, and he's thinking, I guess, the thing about you know what he can turn into because he might have to you know up his game. He's talking to Rachel. But she's not there. And he's like, you know, he says that. He's like, oh, even though you're on some island somewhere trying to figure out how to bring Donna back, like, that's possible. And he's just saying some stuff. He's like, well, I miss you. And so in Gotham, Dick uh, goes to, like, some crime scene, and he asks for Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Commissioner Gordon is actually Barbara Gordon. So, you know, as as uh, there's, like, th- this murder or whatever, and uh, – some other cop says like it was wrapped in cellophane just like the others and then um she says uh the dick she's like you know i'm sorry about jason and she says joker was just waiting by the body he let them take him back to arkham without a fight and she's like you know he did the same thing after me and you know dick's like you know i haven't i spoke to him like three months ago i figured you know when he went back to bruce he'd be his problem He's like, you know, and he talks about, you know, he also found a chemistry book in his room. And he's like, you know, Jason wasn't a reader. Um, but, you know, I guess this is the, the yellow stuff that he, he made. So then they, they talk about Bruce. You know, she said she was at the morgue. Dick doesn't think Bruce is processing this well. And he asks if she'll talk to him. And she's like, we, we've kept things strictly professional since I hung up my cape. And she's like, I, I, she really doesn't want to, but she agrees to. So then Barbara, Dick, and, and Bruce, you know, they're at the manor. They're exchanging, like, Jason stories. They're talking, like, the one fight against Mad Hatter or whatever. And then Bruce asks her about the new body they found. He's like, what, that's eight and same number of weeks? And she's like, you never stop. He's like, can't we just, like, have a drink? And, you know, he's like, well, you know, me and your father had a better communication, you know, about the war. And she's, like, questioning his use of war. And Bruce like, He's like, you know, your father understood that we were fighting for the soul of Gotham. And she's like, my father died from a heart attack after getting frozen by a, in a block of ice by a man wearing an effing refrigerator suit. And he's like, his name was Mr. Free. She's like, I know his name. And she talks about, like, how Bruce uses others. She's like, you know, you drove Dick away. And, you know, she says, you know, no more Robin. She says that, you know, she thinks that he wants the Joker to keep escaping so he can keep hiding himself behind his mask she's like you're as crazy as i think joker and then she gets up or she doesn't get up because she's in a wheelchair so she <laughs> goes to leave dick goes after her he's like i asked you for help and she's like i am you know whoever he would have brought in next she's like you know he recruited jason one week after you left and it's just like he was replacing a pet and you know she's like why don't you go back to your your superhero school because he mentions the titans since she calls like a superhero school he's like it's not a superhero school it's like their family and she's like, we'll just go back to San Francisco. He's like, you know, not until I figure out what Jason was doing. And she's like, I told you, he was being manipulated and used by Bruce Wayne. So Dick's sitting in a room again. And he's like, um, so I, maybe this was Jason's room, whatever. So he's like trying to figure out what's going on. What was he up to? Then he goes, he pushes a dresser out of way. There's like a secret compartment behind there. And there's like a girly magazine. There's like a stack of cash. And then there's like this key tag or something that says B. And he pulls out this piece of paper, like a printout. It's like 301 Harris Place B. So he goes and checks it out. It's like this kind of like a warehouse or whatever. On a table, there's like some chemicals and stuff. 
and there's like the yellowish liquid and the inhalers. So he he takes some or whatever, but then it's like someone enters. He starts fighting a guy, he slams it. He's like, who are you? He slams it against the table and stuff like that. The guy, I think he says he was selling drugs or something like that. He's just looking, you know, he's like, are you the competition or whatever? So I don't know if he's just trying to scope things out. Dick returns to the cave to analyze a chemical. Computer says chemical, chemical compound unknown. And then um, a thing pops up on a screen. It says file update required. So this message pops up. And then he, uh, you know, it has a username and it asks for the password. So Dick types in Jason. It doesn't work. Then he types in Dick and that works. Pictures come up. The first picture is a girl and it says Carrie Kelly. The next one's Daxton Chill. So it's like Joe Chill's son. Like what? And then the next one is like Stephanie Brown, Duke Thomas. Bruce walks in and sees and Dick's like, who are these kids? He's like, who are these kids? And then Bruce finally says, like, potential recruits. And Dick's like, how can you even think this is a good idea? He's like, you want to do to them what you did to me? You want to turn them into a sidearm, to a weapon? He's like, you want to F them in, up in the head? Or even worse, get them killed like Jason? Then he, then he's like, do you know what this inhaler thing is? And he's like, no. He's like, it's an unidentified chemical, you know, a drug that Jason was manufacturing, trying to. It's like, he had a lab. And Bruce's like, I didn't know. And Duke's like, you didn't know because you didn't care. He's like, it doesn't matter to you. He's like, you're already looking for an effing replacement. And Bruce just says, he's like, you want to be Robin again? And then he looks at him and he's, he's like, do I want to be Robin again? He's like, no, I don't want to effing be Robin again. And he's like, you know, Barbara was right. You're just as bad as a joker. And he's like, you know, you, the two of you are poisoning Gotham. And Bruce is like, please. He's like, I can't do this alone. Then Dick's like, then just don't do it anymore. Just walk. He starts walking away. And then at Titan Towers, Starfire has a drink to Jason. And then she drops it because she gets like some vision or something like that. We see someone like walking down the hall. I think they're wearing goggles. And then, then she finds herself in the middle of the street. So I'm not really sure what that was about. Maybe we're supposed to know. I don't know. Um, and not at that point. So then uh, Dick's sleeping in the room and then Bruce comes in and you hear like a metal plank on the floor. He's like, he started it. I ended it. And Dick's like, ended what, Bruce? And Bruce continues like, but you know what he was doing as I caved in his skull? He's, he was laughing. He laughed at me because he won. He's like, you and Barbara were right. It's all a game. I should have stopped playing a long time ago. He's like, it's over for me now. It's over. He's like, you see things I don't. You saw that Jason was in trouble that he was involved in something because you cared more than I did. He's like, the city is yours now. He's like, you save it. Do what I couldn't. Be a better Batman. And he walks away. So that was the end of uh, the first episode. Okay, then uh, episode or season three, episode two, Red Hood. It's like, wait, what? Red Hood already? It's It starts in, in Gotham City. There's a bunch of like uh, crime people there. Because, um, you know, just, again, because of the subtitles, you, you can hear who's talking. So there's someone named Valeska, Telly, Perez, Santiago. So a bunch of like, gangsters, whatever you want to call them, they, they, they meet. They're kind of like in this, it's like a factory or something like that. There's like this huge, like, planning table or whatever in the middle. They're all there. And they're like, who, I thought you called this. Who called this meeting? You know, no one knows who, who called it, whatever. And then one guy... He's like, well, my guy says that, you know, he's talking, they're talking about Batman. They're like, he cracked the Joker's head in two, you know, one swing and the man's brain spilled like, <laughs> spilled out like wedding soup. What the heck is wedding soup? <laughs> and then another guy's like, nah, it wasn't him. It's like, we all know the bat don't do murder. And then Valeska's like, well, he does now. And then one guy's ready to leave. He's like, well, I'm out of here, whatever. But then his bag drops down on a table and they, you know, the, they're, so these must be like the higher ups, or whatever, in their individual gangs or crime families or whatever. Because then, they're like their henchmen, all like draw guns, you know, pull their guns out, and then a voice bellows, "Open it!" And then uh, 
you know, one one of the other guys with he has like a machine gun and he starts shooting a bunch of like where they, I guess where they think the voice came from. But it was just kind of one spot. But then uh, the voice bellows again and no one does anything. So then the guy who was like shooting, he gets shot in the head. It's like, and then this other guy, he gets like shot by a hook or whatever. And then um, it's Red Hood. It's it's a guy, in, in, you know, with the red red helmet on. He like uses his weight to counter, you know, pull the other guy up or whatever. And then, you know, he comes down and he's like shooting and he, he comes up to the table where they're all gathered and they just like stare at him. And he's like the bag. So then this Valeska lady, she finally opens it and looks inside and she pulls out this dude's head. It's like a severed head. And the one guy's like, that's Danny. That's my sister's kid. And Red Hood's like, all your number twos are in there. And another guy's like, who the F is he? And Red Hood's like, I'm the guy you want on your side. I can protect you. And Valeska's like, from the bat? And he's like, Batman's gone. I retired him. He's like, check the sky every night. No more bat signals. The nightmare's over. Any problem with cops or other masks, I take care of it from now on. It'll cost you 40% of what you make. And trust me, you're about to make a lot more. So he's got like this deep voice or whatever. And then so the one guy with who's, it was his sister, he's like, he's like, F this. And he pulls a gun and then pew, Red Hood shoots him in, in the head first. And the others, they, they just start putting their guns on a table. <laughs> he's like, any more questions? So, so here's the thing. <laughs> so it's Red Hood. You know, he's got the helmet on. He's got the red, you know, bat on his chest. And uh, he's shooting. But it's like, so we all know the story, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, if you haven't watched this or whatever, you, you know, you probably know the story of, of what happens with Red Hood. So if you don't, I'm going to spoil it because it's going to get spoiled anyways. So we know it's Red Hood is, is Jason Todd. But it's like, wait, dude, he just died last episode. So what is he back already as Red Hood? This is like, like, bam, Red Hood, Jason dead, bam, Red Hood. It's like, it's not that fast, but maybe it is. So let's stay tuned. <laughs> so then it cuts to Washington D.C. Um, Hank Hawk, he's a, uh, he's riding like on a police bike, like biker short, like a police cop. He's got like a big mustache and everything like that. Um, he rides up to this other cop dude who has like a coffee for him. His name is Todd with one D because that's what it says on his his cup. And he's asking questions about where he came from because no one knows. And, you know, they're like, oh, you were undercover before. He's like, oh, you know, our people are like IA. He's like, I'm not IA. And then he, he says that he was like another like special, you know, forces, whatever, something. And then he's like, he, he says he was he was a bird. He's like a big red bird with latex talons and a composite beak like helmet. Then the guy's like, okay, Mr. Mystery. He's like, have it your way. <laughs> and, and then uh, they get a call about shots fired. So they like, they split up. Um, the shooter's running like under this little like tunnel thing, bridge or whatever. And then Dub jumps down on him. So Don, Don Granger. And then Hank comes up and then, you know, he's like, oh, you know, put his foot on the guy holding him down or whatever. And then he's like, oh, you know, they're talking. Cause she's in her Dove costume and he's in his cop, biker cop costume and bicycle and by bike i mean bicycles in case you know i didn't make that clear you know biker shorts and all that and he's like you know you want to get coffee but she says she has lunch he's like oh with the boat salesman she's like you know he's a broker so i don't know if she's seeing someone else but they're not together or whatever so then it cuts uh uh, gcpd gotham city dick walks in um there's like a tv in the lobby or whatever news report about joker being dead brutally murdered last night at arkham asylum uh, prison staffers have unofficially speculated the assailant was the Batman, but the police have yet to confirm. 
Dixie's Barbara. Now, one thing that I didn't notice right away, but I think, I'm pretty sure Barbara only has one leg. Because, you know, she's in a wheelchair. So, Joker caused that. I mean, that's makes it even worse, you know. Like, whatever. Um, so, he, he sees her. You know, she, she's with this, this lady comes up to him. She's like, can I help you? And he's like, I'm Dick Grayson. And she's like, yeah, I know. You picked a nice time for a reunion. And it's just like, then Barbara comes up. She's like, thanks, V. So I don't know who this lady was. And this lady was just like, like, man, why, why are you like, so like, whatever, harsh. <laughs> so alone, Barbara tells Dick that um, Bruce's jet took off at 1120 last night and change IFR. I don't know what that means. What I, and I'm not going to look it up. I don't care. A change IFR itinerary from what a change IFR in midair. Nobody knows where he touched down. So he, Bruce is gone. He's he's an hiding, I guess. So she says, except for maybe you. And it's like she's like being a jerk about it. Um, Dick's like, I wish I did. He and then he's like, you know, I was asleep. Bruce came in my room and dropped a bloody crowbar on the floor. He, he said it was over with him and the Joker, that he ended it, said that he was done with Gotham, with the bat, with all of it. And he just told me to be a better Batman. And she's like, man, that's some messed up parent jujitsu, you know, trying to reel you back home or whatever. He doesn't really say anything. And then he, he's like, well, you know, I can't leave now, can I? And she's like, you know how, how crazy that is, right? She's like trying to step into your father's shoes. And he's like, I do, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> It's like, duh. And she doesn't say anything. But, you know, she's a dick's like, you know, Bruce wasn't perfect, but, you know, he got sloppy. He let it get personal with Joker. And then she's like, well, what happens when Gotham takes one of yours? And Dick's like, well, you know, he's not going to go around Gotham swinging an effing crowbar, is he? And she's like, we'll see or something like that. And then they're like, you know, anything else? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm bringing it in the Titans. And she's like, are you sure about that? It's like, I, there's like so much hostility between the two. It's like, uh, I don't know. Anyways, the news reports uh, the Titans have been spotted in Gotham just one day after Joker was reported murder. No comment from them. And then uh, Red Hood is like watching this like on a little like iPad or something. At Wayne Manor, Dick talks to them. He thanks them for coming on such short notice. But he warns them they're not in San Francisco. The city breeds a special kind of criminal. He's like, people die here. And, you know, Don's there too with, you know, Starfire, Beast Boy and Superboy. Um, Dick continues. He's like, not just regular people, people like us. And, um, you know, so they're down in the back cave and you see like Jason's bloody suit in the case, whatever. He's like, I don't want to lose anyone else. And Don's like, we know what we're up against. She's like, your family. There's no way we'd let you do this alone. And then Connor's like, he's like, can we see the bat suit? And Dick kind of smiles. He's like, no. And then Connor's like, what about the Batmobile? Corey's like, guys. Connor's like, what? He's like, he made me ask. Kind of like, you know, pointing at Beast Boy. He's like, I did not. So Dick's like, there'll be time for that later. He's like, word is out that Batman is, is gone. She's like, so we'll have to act fast. He's like, get some food, get some rest. You know, it could be a long night. Then he gets a call from Barbara. So Dick goes to the station and, uh, you know, we, we like you as he's walking, you can see some cops are like kind of covering up the bat signal with a tarp. So I guess, you know, they're perfectly aware of whatever. But Barbara says they got a note from someone. You know, there's like no records, you know, criminal records or anything like that, whatever. The note says... I need to talk to Nightwing. And it's written on what looks like the back of a textbook page or something like that. And then there's this video. So we see this lady standing in front of a camera. Like, I think she was like at an ATM because it looked like there's people in line behind her, kind of like in this big lobby. And then she puts on like this kind of like a, a red, it's basically she puts like a, a red hood on her, on her head, like a hoodie. But it was just like, it's just a hood or something like that. And um, 
Dick's like, she looks terrified. And Barbara, she's like, she's like Red Hood. And Dick's like, yeah, the Joker started his career wearing one. And then, um, you know, she doesn't say anything. She's just standing there. But then she turns to leave the ATM and she kind of like drops her backpack. And then like another camera sees that, you know, she's moving towards the escalator and then the bag explodes. So she's in custody and, you know, she's, she's in an interrogation room and she's like saying prayers or whatever, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, all that stuff. And a Nightwing comes in. So he's in his Nightwing costume. He's like, you asked to speak to me. And um, she just doesn't really say anything. He's like, can you speak? And she's like, shakes her head. So she can obviously talk. She's saying prayers, but she won't talk to him. So she's like, mm-mm. And he's like, you know, what's with the red hood you're wearing? And he's like, does it have anything to do with the Joker? But she still doesn't say anything. Then um, she pulls up her sleeve and there's like a number carved in her arm. He's like, who did that to you? He's like, am I supposed to call that? So he reads out the numbers because Barbara and another cop are like on the other side of the glass. And then... Uh, that you can hear it like dialing or whatever. And it's, they're also kind of like triangulating, trying to trace the call as they call it or whatever. But then the lady starts freaking and her arm is kind of like pulsing, like her veins are going, whatever. And then Dick's like, and, and she's like starting to foam at the mouth and Dick's like, like hang up the call or whatever. And then she's like, make it stop. And then, then it's like, so she just grabs her head, snaps her own neck. It's like, is that even possible? So and she just snaps her neck, boom, head on, on the table, dead. It's like that's just crazy. Barbara tells Dick that they found the lady's daughter wandering around. She was also wearing a red hood. Um, the the girl said that a strange man in a mask snatched her out of bed. Toxicology said that uh, the mom had a subnor sub subnormal drug delivery system, subdermal drug delivery system, something like that in her arm. And uh, Barbara's like it's some sort of flaca derivation. It's like what the heck is flaca? Flaca with two K's. Uh, she says like nuclear bath salts. So whoever did this, maybe they have a science background or something like that. And she's like, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but, you know, for cases like this, we've been using a consultant, a profiler. And she's like, we've gotten good results, but you're not going to like it. And he's like, okay. And she's like, no, you're really not going to like it. So he's like, yeah. And she's like, scarecrow. He's like, what? So he kind of gets mad. He's, and she's like, he's still in, in Arkham. He's just helping us on the side. And, you know, she, Dick's like, you're working with an effing crazy person. And, you know, he like, starts to walk away. She's like, it was Bruce's idea. He's like, he thought Crane had value. And so far, he's been right. You know, when it comes to profiling the criminally insane, she's like, I hate to admit it, but he's the best that, that we've got. So um, back at the manor, Corey's uh, walking around, whatever. Um, she goes by Jason, Dick's old, whoever, someone's old room. You know, because there's like the Flying Grayson's poster. There's and she's looking on the shelf. There's like a, a framed contract signed by Dick saying he won't give comfort to fear and all this stuff, whatever. And then she starts getting another weird flash. So again, someone's like being wheeled in a gurney. They're like handcuffed to it, whatever, and you know, going through this weird hallway, you know, underground, you know, sketchy place, and you know, some dude, whatever there. Um, and then it cuts to Beast Boys looking at Batman's books, like in this little library. Connor's eating sandwiches, like on one of the open books. He's like, "Hey, that's Batman's book. You can't do that." Whatever. And then the Connor's like, "Do you think Superman has a library?" And he's like, "He probably just has like space rocks and stuff." Whatever. But then Corey comes in, and she's just like, like, kind of talking very loudly, whatever, and like agitated in her in her her language her alien language and then her like cory but she doesn't even say anything to them and she just like walks past them and into like the kitchen so they follow her and then they're like, they're like cory okay and she turns around and she blasts you know shoots a blast at, at beast boy but then um 
Connor is like steps in front, uses freeze breath to kind of blow it aside. And that makes her come out of her trance. And she sees like a little bit of flame on the, she's like, tell me that was a grease fire. So she has no idea what happened again. So Corey calls it Justin, the therapist dude. Um, she said, you know, cause he's like, Oh, I thought you were calling, but whatever. She's like, well, I had a death in the family. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. She mentions that, you know, she had a couple strange, uh, episodes and she didn't know who to call, whatever. She explains it. And he's like, Oh, that sounds like violent parasomnia, <laughs> like a, a violent parasomnia episode, whatever. And he's like, you know, something like your brain is telling you that something's not right or I don't know. something like that. So he's like, well, I could maybe prescribe something for that. And, you know, then he's like, well, call me whatever. So Dick goes to Arkham, but he goes as himself. Um, guard takes him to his cell, and he's like, which one is it? He's like, he's down at the end. He's the only one here. So he's the only one in the swing. And uh, so he walks up to the gate, and apparently he wants some, like, he's like, you got some weed or whatever? So he wants, uh, you know, he basically, if he wants his help, he's got to give him some weed. So Dick has something, like, in a little bag. Uh, like, it's like a professional bag, not like a little baggie. And, uh, He's like, he said some stuff or whatever. He's like, oh, you're doing the stoner act? And Crane's like, no, it's not an act. It helps my brain you know, slow down. So then he he's, says that his best guess is the guy responsible knows who Nightwing is. And he has like a jealousy complex. And then he's like, you know, maybe he has a background in explosives, you know, military or construction. And he just says stuff like that. So Dick's not really pleased with this information. He's like, that's it, whatever. He starts walking away. And Crane's like, the bird's opening. And he's like, what? He's like, it's one of the oldest, uh, you know, known openings in chess or something like that. So it says something like that. The king works in the shadow while the pawns are, are set into the teeth of destruction. So he may advance. Um, and he figured, he's like, well, what does it have to do with anything? So he figured out because the note that I need to talk to Nightwing, whatever, was written on the back of a page torn from a chess manual. So he's like, this is just his opening move. So back at the cave. Um, back cave dick is going through like chess simulations don and Corey are just like kind of standing by and you know he's been running all these combinations looking you know what the numbers mean you know telephone numbers bank accounts or anything like that but then with like some of the combinations or like that like robin comes up they're like oh that can't be a coincidence or whatever and then dick's like well that the lady that um you know at the blew up the at the bank or whatever the stuff she lived at 2289 bluebird way so then he's he tells like Don he's like uh, he's like give, give me a list of all the Gotham streets with bird names. So she says there's five of them. There's Bluebird, um, Condor Court, Finch Street, Falcon Way, and Eagle Crest. And then um, Hank shows up. He's he's like oh hey guys I pedaled as fast as I could. So he just arrived there. Him and Don talk you know alone later, and uh, she's kind of going off. She's like you know what the f and he's like you just show up no phone call and he's like well you just left me a message that you were going out of town he's like then i saw it on the news and she's kind of just like laugh she's like i don't have to tell you my every move and you know she's like she wanted to suit up but he didn't want you know he didn't want to wear it whatever and he goes on and then he he's like well you know putting on the hawk suit and not being together kind of sucked so then there's kind of a pause and then he's like do you plan on going back to dc and she's like i don't know and you know she sees, you know his bag. She's like, oh, it doesn't look like it's, that's just an overnight bag. So he probably has like his whole suit in there. That she's like, ah. she's like, let's go. We have work to do. And then when she turns, she's like, kind of like, yes. So you know he just wants to be side by side with her. So they, they check out Finch Street. There's nothing to report. You know she calls Dick. He's at Eagle Crest, I guess. Um, Corey comes in the other room. Said there's nothing. She says Connor also called. He and Gar came up empty. And then you know Dick's like, we're too late. 
And, you know, because they keep looking. There's, like, a picture of, like, a girl and her dad or, or something like that. I was like, who are these people? You know, she's wearing, like, a like a, a Little League jersey or something. I don't know what it was. But then he gets a call on the other line, and it's Barbara. She's like, there's a bank robbery in, in progress. She's like, there's four armed men, and, you know, they don't even know how many hostages. And, you know, she's like, I wasn't going to call you, but they're all wearing red hoods. So Nightwing shows up at the bank, talks to Barbara. She says that, you know, they're not making any demands. Um, he's like, it's not a bank robbery. And he's like, you know, you need to tell your, your men to pull back. He's like, it's a setup like with the other lady. He's like, they've been forced into this. He's like, they're not criminals. They're parents. So they think that their kids are in danger. He has Gar and Connor searching for the kids. And she's like, you know, if you're wrong, this is going to be a bloodbath. So then uh, she tells him, stand down. Nightwing, Corey, Hawk, and Dove, they walk into the bank or toward the bank. Inside... Everyone is wearing the hoods. So the gunmen, the tellers, and the hostages, everyone's wearing red hoods. One gunman kind of looks at the clock. He's like, it's it's time, whatever. So then he like holds up the gun at the, at the teller. She's like, no, no, whatever. And then uh, so the, the four hero titans, whatever, walk in. And then uh, Nightwing's like, you don't need to do this. He's like, we're going to save your kids. And then it cuts to like Gar and Connor and Crypto. They're like in a parking garage. So Connor like uses X-ray vision. He sees a you know bunch of kids in the back of a van, you know, with the hoods. So he calls Nightwing. He's like, "We got them." So, um, but then while they're, they're they're talking, whatever, Gar, there's another van next to it. He's like looking in. He opens it. There's more people in there with red hoods. They're adults. So there's the kids in the one first one they open. Another van with adults with red hoods. So at the bank. One gunman removes his hood and he has like tattoos on his face. He's like, it's not over. He's like, now it's over or something like that. They turn their guns on the Titans. One sets off like a flash bomb that goes off. And then outside the cops start moving in. So Nightwing slowly gets up. There's like dust, money fluttering or whatever in here. And then uh, then it cuts to, you know, a little bit later. Barbara's like loudly talking to Dick at the station. She's like, they got away. I think it was like $25 million or something like that. She's like, they drove off with like my men were like two blocks away. She's like, you practically gave them a police escort. And Dick's like, you know, it happens. He's like, we got played. And she's like, it didn't happen with Batman. And she's like, be a better Batman. I believe word instructions, Dick. It's like, you are, why being such a jerk? And Dick's like, you know, whoever, whoever this is, this is exactly what they want. And she's like, what? He's like, mistrust between us. And then she's like, well, he should have called first. He's like, that box is already checked. So, and then she's just keeps like egging it on. But, you know, Dick just ignores that. And he's like, the guys at the bank look like Perez's people. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll find them and I'll figure out who's responsible. And she's like, the people who have sworn to defend Gotham will handle it. And he's like, I can help. And she's like, I stood down for you tonight. It's like, no one else could have convinced me to do that. She's like, it wasn't professional. And then he's like, he's like, right, you know, keep it professional. He's like, sorry, we failed you, commissioner. And then she's like, it's my job to protect the city. It's like, not yours. It's like, this is a police matter. Whew. So Dick talks to uh, Hank. You know, he comes in, Hank's in there, whatever, kitchen, or talking about whatever. And, you know, the talk with Barbara. Um, and then uh, he, Dick's like, what are you eating? He's like, I don't know, some sort of meat thing. And he's like, I think Gar made it. And Dick's like, that's cryptos. <laughs> so he's like, he just like slowly puts it down. So, you know, they're, and they're talking about how, how bar- upset Barbara was. And, you know, he's, he, he Hank's trying to insinuate like they're still seeing each other. He's like, no, no, what, it's not like that, whatever. And then, he, then they start talking about, he's like, you know, Bruce wouldn't have fallen for this, whatever, and, and stuff like that. But then uh, Gar and Corey are playing chess. 
So after um, Connor, you know, he's Connor's looking looking through some books at different moves like that, and he mentions like Bobby Fischer was taking out fillings in his teeth because he thought Russians were listening in him. And Gar's like, wait, what? He took out his own fillings, and then he's like, he's like, it's not about winning with the birds opening or whatever. And he tells Connor, he's like, look up the five you know defensive moves against opening. Dick walks in at this time too, whatever, and he's like talking about some other thing like moves and and something gambit and some there's like the Hobbs something and Dick's like there's a Hobbs com- Hobbs something company that makes explosives and he's like you know me and Batman shut them down for like dealing on the street or something like that and then uh it turns out there was a 911 call so this man uh was taking a, a woman into the Hobbs building you know like holding her hostage or something like that so Dick's like it's a trap and they're like well you should call Barbara he's like she was not taking our calls so the police are headed there. Their cars skid out, so they must have put out like tire spikes. Somehow they got there before him. I don't know how. Maybe I don't. Know, someone flew there. But then Gar and Corey and Connor they stop one guy that has a gun. Hawk and Dove take out two more. Nightwing's inside, and then there's like another smoke bomb. What took you so long? So like kind of across, you know, standing in front of him like a little ways. Red Hood's there, standing there. And then Red Hood says, nice, you know, figure out the chess move. And Nightwing's like, it wasn't me. He's like, I have a team. And he's like, looks like you have one too. Um, Red Hood is like, they were expendable, just like the Titans. And Nightwing's like, he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the one they'll run to when you let Gotham down. Gotham is mine now. So Nightwing throws like a battering or something at him, but Red Hood like knocks it away with a gun, starts shooting. Um, then he's like going around looking for Nightwing. Um, he catches in a scrim a stick and it's, it's kind of glowing and then it kind of just zzz, like zaps him a little bit. And then there's more fighting. Uh, Red Hood takes out a knife. So he's going at Nightwing. Nightwing has one of his sticks or like fighting whatever. Um, he's like just pounding or going at each other. Uh, Dick manages to like break a piece of the, the helmet off with one of the blows. And, you know, he picks up the piece and then the, the voice modulator thing is kind of broke. And you can see, like, just like the eye and, and a part of like the, the like a little tiny bit of the mouth, or whatever of the face, you can see who it is. And then you hear in a different voice, regular voice, Bruce always told me you were better with the toys. And Nightwing staring, he's like, Jason. And he's like, in living color. He's like, I got a new name now, though. He's like, you'll be hearing it a lot around here, Red Hood. And he starts shooting some more. So Dick has to like duck behind some metal barrels or whatever. And then when he comes out, Jason's gone. So <laughs> that's kind of nuts. And it feels like it's like, holy crap. So you're doing the whole death in the family, Jason Todd, de- you know, dying, Red Hood. It's like he becomes Red Hood in less than, you know, in between episodes. It's like it, episode two starts with him as Red Hood already. Uh, so it's like, when was he, how, how much time has gone by? Cause it's not that much. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, maybe more time is, but it hasn't been that much. You know, maybe, maybe a week, maybe two weeks at the most. It's not that much time. So it feels like they're just really trying to crank this up. You know, I, I thought it would at least be a few episodes, you know, maybe like at least three or four, maybe, you know, two episodes at least. But yes, we have them. So um, one more episode dropped this week. And then um, hopefully this coming week is just one because, well, we'll see. But uh, yeah, so episode three, you you may have seen episode three already. I'm not going to talk about it this week because, again, this show, this episode's already kind of long. So we'll just stop right there.
and talk about uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch. So season one, episode 16, Camino Lost. So it picks up from the last episode. Star Destroyers are fighting, are firing on the, the cloning facility. Uh, the clone, the, the unit 99, Force 99, whatever. They're inside and they're, they're running, you know, the place is just being blasted. Um, it's, and parts of it are like sliding and stuff like that. Omega kind of gets separated from the others. Meanwhile, Rampart gets a report that the cities have been destroyed. The facilities are collapsing into the sea. So he's like happy. Um, AZ, 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 and I don't remember what the robot's name is. Um, wakes up Omega and he says that the compartment they're in is going to collapse. So she's in there with Crosshair. Crosshair is like unconscious and like stuck under some like wreckage. And you know, it's it starts gonna, it, the place is like filling up with water. So she calls the other. And, you know, she tells him it's flooding, whatever. Crosshair wakes up. He's like, get this off me. And so Omega, and she, like, goes underwater to try to, you know, to help and stuff like that. So the water's rising pretty quickly. And Crosshair is, like, just, it's, like, up to his head and everything like that. So she tells Azzy, Ozzy, I don't know why that doesn't sound right. It's like, it, I just watched it the other day. She tells Azzy, the droid, to go under, use his boosters, whatever, to try to move the wreckage. And she's going to use, like, her crossbow thing to, like, shoot. So uh, she met, pulls Crosshair to safety. The others, meanwhile, are outside the door, like trying to pry it open and everything like that because the door seals shut. And they finally get it open. Water comes out. And Crosshair's like, what have you done? And Hunter's like, the Empire opened fire on the city. And they, you know, we weren't going to leave you behind. And so they're like, we need to get topside, you know, ASAP or stuff like that. So they're running. The place is still like falling apart and everything like that. At one point, they're like hanging on. It's, you know, everything's just a mess. Um, then... The whole thing seems to like it. The part of the city landed on the ocean floor, so there's no more rocking and falling and shaking. But the room, you know, like we should be okay here. But then the room starts leaking, so they're like, we need to get a space that's more secure. And uh, you know, Crosshair's like he's he hesitates, but he follows them. He's got no choice. So they get to a place, and it turns out um, their old barracks are somewhat inhabitable. And you know, Crosshair's like all those missions together, and you threw it away. Hunter's like. He said that they made a choice, um, and so did he. Hunter says, you know, he's going out like, you know, blind allegiance doesn't, you know, it just makes you a pawn. And because, you know, Crosshair is like following orders or whatever. And then he's like, you know, Hunter says a real leader protects his squad. And Crosshair is like, look where that's gotten you. He's like, you're all going to die here because of your failed leadership. And Omega says, and she's like, no, we're not. She's like, you know, we, we landed on the underwater tunnel, whatever. He was like, we could use it to get back to the Marauder ship. And you know, then I think Tech or someone says, you know, it could be challenging to access the tunnel. And Omega's like, well, we have to try. And Crosshair's like, she's calling the shots now. And Hunter's like, do you have a better idea? So as he... That does still sound right. Well, shut up, Tony. So as he laser cuts the tunnel and it's clear that, you know, there's no water in there. They, they go in there. Uh, but then Crosshair sees that, like, the tunnel glass is, like, cracking. He's like, we need to go back. And Wrecker's like, well, this is all your fault. He's like, you know, you could have come back. He's like, we still would have taken you. And and Tech's like, oh, don't bother arguing. He can't help how he is or, you know, something like that. So they keep moving. And they, they mentioned the tunnels are usually protected when the power's running from, like, the sea creatures. But since the power's not running, the huge sea creature comes and is, like, growling outside um, and then, you know, they start running. It starts, like, chomping, like, on the tunnels and everything. Like, you know, it's threatening to just crack everything. Um, as he manages to get some of the power running and it zaps the creature or something like that. So now they're in Nala Say's private lab. And Tech 
says, you know, Omega said that this is where they were enhanced or whatever. And Crosshair's like, how would she know? And Tech's like, she was there. She's like, technically, she's older than we are. So it's like, you know, it's weird to think that, you know, she's a little kid, but she's older than them. So, to, uh, but then as they're going to tunnel to the Marauders, like blocked or collapsed or something like that. It was hard to see when I watched it because I watched it during the day and, the, you know, the episode was so dark and I had the window open and I didn't feel like closing the blinds. But anyways, so as these uh, battery cells are depleting, um, they say long range comms are down. Their oxygen will be at critical level soon. And Crosshair is like, this is what happened when you let a kid call the shots. And Hunter's like, that kid saved your life, unlike the Empire who left you for dead. Crosshair says, he's like, that's your problem. He's like, you take things too personally. Hunter says that he's like, they destroyed an entire city. And Crosshair's like, they did what they needed to what needed to be done. He's like, Camino regs the Republic, that time is over. He's like, the Empire will control the entire galaxy. And he's like, I'm gonna be a part of it. He tells Hunter that, you know, he made the wrong choice. Hunter says that, you know, all crosshair will be to them to the empire is just a number so then later omega says a crosshair she's like you never liked it on camino and he's like go away and she's like well i understand she's like she says she spent you know most of her life in the lab and she was alone down there until you know the, the four of them were created and she's like you know that's why she was determined to find them again and he's like being a clone doesn't make you like us and she says that, you know, she wanted to believe it was an inhibitor chip that made him like this, but she was wrong. And she just, like, walks away. So they find some, like, big medical capsule things or whatever so they can go in them and use them to float up. But the problem is there's a lot of debris that they would have to navigate through because I guess maybe they would just get, like, stuck under and then, you know, die. <laughs> so uh, Crosshair comes in and he's like, well, the droid could do it, can, can uh, guide them. The problem is, as he's like on reserve power now, um, they they blow out the wall, and uh, with like some you know little bombs, as he starts guiding the pods up, but they're still kind of banging into things. Omega's pod gets hit and starts like gets knocked down, and you know others make it to the surface. So as he's has to go back for Omega, he's trying to push her pod up. And he's like, your path is clear. He's like, I've completed my directive. And he starts sinking down because he's out of power. And Omega tells Hunter, you know, when she's at the top, she's like, I'm going after Azzy. So she exits her pod and she swims down. And Hunter's, you know, he's up there. He's like, I'm going after her. But then Crosser pulls out his rifle. He's like, he's what he's going to shoot Hunter if he tries going after Omega. But then he shoots past him. He shoots a line down into the water, and then they're able to like pull them up or something like that. So um, Omega and, and Azzy come up, and then Crosshair is just like kind of like looking away silently, and you know Hunter looks at him too. But you know it's like they don't say anything to each other. So he saved them. So, uh, but they have to paddle to where the Marauder is. So it's like on this other structure thing. When they reach a platform, it's like, you know, daylight now, whatever. Omega's just like looking back at the smoky wreckage. She's, they're all just like staring at it. She's, it's all gone. And Tex says that, you know, he's like, we should leave before the Empire Scouts return. They ask Crosshair if he's coming with them. And he's like, none of this changes anything. And Hunter's like, you offered us a chance, Crosshair. It's like, this is yours. And he's like, I made my decision. And Hunter, He's like, you know, we want different things. That doesn't mean we have to be enemies. But then Crosshair just like looks away. So they head to the Marauder and get in. Omega stares a bit longer at the wreckage. And then she starts walking to the ship. Then she stops. And Cross, you know, she's looking at Crosshair. And he turns around. He's like, what? She says, thank you for saving Ozzy. And he's just like, you know, he just looks at her. And he's like, consider us even. And he turns away. 
And she's like, you're still their brother, Crosshair. She's like, you're my brother too. And then he, you know, he doesn't look at her. So she goes on, ship closes, Marauder takes off. He's left her alone. So he better hope the Empire comes back or <laughs> he's, he's just going to die there. So then on this other planet, Nala, say, is escorted by like troopers, whatever. This lady, whatever, comes up to her and welcomes her. She's like, oh, we're all admirers of your talent. She's like, the Empire has big things planned for you. And then that's where it ends. So, like, what could the Empire possibly have planned unless it's the Emperor and the clones that he makes for himself? Which that could, that would make sense, even though there's a ways away. But that's it. So, that's that's the end of the show, uh, the season. So, um, uh, yeah, we'll have to see when they meet up with Crosshair next. But that, that was pretty nuts. And But that also explains, like, why... Camino is not a thing later again, like never even mentioned because there's really nothing. So I guess Camino was just like the, the one city, the, the structures, whatever, but that's that's too bad. Okay, and now it is time for the movie feature. Finally, feels like it's taken us a while to get here. Uh, Free Guy. So Free Guy is, is finally here. I remember, was this supposed to come out like last December, whatever? So um, what is Free Guy about? Uh, just looking, uh, you know, because I didn't read I mean, you know what it's about if you've seen a trailer. But the I think this is official synopsis, whatever. It says, when a bank teller discovers he's actually a background player in an open world video game, he decides to become the hero of his own story, one that he can rewrite himself. In a world where there's no limits, he's determined to save the day his way before it's too late and maybe find a little romance with the coder who conceived him. Which that's not quite, you know, he doesn't know anything about the coder part. So with that, um, this was just a really good movie. I mean, it was uh, it was funny. I mean, there's there's some moments, and uh, I I actually was like laughed. I literally lol'd. I I don't often do that. I'm usually a little more restrained or constrained with with my my laughter. I can appreciate something that's really funny and just kind of you know laugh sort of laugh more on the inside. I might kind of chuckle or whatever, but. It kind of takes a lot. Not that I'm like picky or whatever, but man, <laughs> there are some parts. There's like there's one moment that I will not give away that hopefully you will not hear or see spoiled. I'm sure people, as soon as they're, it's possible, they're going to try to put it up online. It's like, man, don't you know? try to avoid all that. See it if you can, because I know people aren't you know going to the, the theaters to see this. Some people aren't able to. Some people, you know, I know some, some places are in lockdown again. And some people just, they don't feel safe. And again, that's that's totally fine. But this one part, when it happened, I was just like, holy crap. I, I just, I laughed. It was so funny. And then right after that, this kind of like a reaction to this happens. And I'm just like, oh my God. It just, it was, it was, it was funny. It was, it was good stuff. So uh, the movie, it's, um, so it's Ryan Reynolds and, um, there's like there's some other people who are in there like uh so taika watiti obviously is a is is the the big villain you know he's the evil game designer whatever and um there is another character which i'm, I'm now i'm looking on the, on the um the wikipedia page they don't mention this other he's not listed as there's this other actor who is in this and um he didn't have a huge role but he, he was funny. <laughs> there's a, a big funny part. Yeah, there, there's no mention. So I don't want to spoil that. Um, but, you know, it was, it was funny because it was 
Um, okay, here I, I see something. Uh, see, they give away this other thing. So, yeah, don't read up on, on this stuff. Wait. Oh, here's something I didn't know. Okay, this is spoilers. Like, This isn't really that huge of a spoiler because I didn't notice it. But it says um, actors Tina Fey, Hugh Jackman, Dwayne Johnson, and John Krasinski all have voice cameos. I totally missed that. But anyways, um, what I realized is, is kind of like the, the next day after I watched it. I'm, I'm thinking it's like, wow, you know, I really enjoyed this. And I saw someone mentioning like, you know, this is like the first like original movie. You know, it's not like a franchise or a remake or anything like that. But then I'm kind of thinking it's like, you know, this kind of reminds me of something else. So maybe it's not. I don't want to knock this movie down because I enjoyed it so much. But it kind of reminds me a little of, of Lego movie, you know, where you have Emmett. You know, he had this this innocent life. He was so happy being in his little Lego town. And then it turned out his life was was false this is totally lego movie his life was false and then you know there's someone controlling it and you know the evilness this is they're very similar but this the movie is 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 funny so ryan reynolds you know his character because what what happens is you know if you played video games and everything you know about the npcs you know these other characters and Sometimes you can do so, which I still haven't, I, I, I got to talk to my daughter because when we would play Disney Infinity and it was like with the Spider-Man or the Avengers levels, you know, sometimes there was this one NPC that she's like, that, that lady's evil. And so a lot of times, you know, rather than going in missions because she just wanted to roam around, you know, the city and, and stuff. This is, you know, when she was a kid and she would grab this lady because you can pick up the NPCs in, in Disney Infinity and you know if she was in a car you know you can like hold them over your head and she would take them somewhere else or do whatever but it's like <laughs> that if in this game they're the, the NPCs have lives like we we see Ryan Reynolds waking up every morning you know he has a goldfish he goes and he gets coffee and he you know his he's like best friends with the bank or with the security dude at the at the bank and uh but it's like, why, why would these NPCs have have lives, you know, and everything like that? So, uh, yeah. And then, uh, so basically the, the story is, um, I'm trying to think how much is, is in the trailer or whatever. But it turns out that um, Taika Waititi, so he is a game designer. He owns this big company that, that puts out this game, Free City. And... Um, he may have done some questionable things in the design of the game. So uh, the one one dude, what's his name? Uh, Joe Joe Keery. Um, he's a he's a designer, and he's working for Taika Waititi now. But it, it's turned out that him and uh, this this girl, this lady, um, they you know Jody Cummer plays her. They you know made this game or something like that, and she's actually suing trying to sue Taika Waititi's character and everything. And and she's uh, going in, in the, the game, you know, trying to see if she can get any evidence of his wrongdoing and stuff like that, whatever. And then uh, basically Ryan Reynolds' uh, guy, a blue shirt guy, he, when he sees her, he kind of like falls in love with her because his whole thing is, you know, he, he wants he wants to have a romance or, you know, he wants to find someone. He wants to connect with someone because, you know, he's, he's like, there's gotta be something more to this life. Cause you know, he's doing the same thing over and over again. And he starts to think that there might be more. And then you see in a trailer when he puts on the sunglasses, cause there's the sunglass people, which are people playing the game. He realizes that there's a little bit more. He still doesn't, isn't quite aware that he's in a game because why would you, if, if, if you know, this world is your reality. So, um, 
it, it just kind of, you know, goes from there and everything like that. And then, you know, he starts deciding he's going to be a good guy because she, um, Millie, uh, the, the girl that he, he falls for, she's like, you need to level up and then, then we can talk because, you know, she doesn't want anything to do with him because he was at level one. So he starts, uh, he, he doesn't want to do like bad things. You know, he doesn't want to rob anything or whatever, but he uh, starts doing like heroic things. Like, you know, he could take gun people's guns and stuff like that. And, but in, in meanwhile, this is like messing up the game because the NPCs aren't supposed to be able to do this. Because, you know, they're preventing, you know, get really preventing your missions and, and so forth, whatever. And it just starts escalating like that. It starts going viral and everything like that. So I think for, for me and for a lot of people, you know, part of the reason why, you know, this is so funny is because, you know, if you play video games, you're aware of, you know, a lot of the... And it's, it's not like you have to play video games in order to appreciate the movie. But there's a, a lot of, you know, little, little bits of it where, you know, talking about, like, the, you know character skins and, and this and that whatever and the other thing that for me was kind of neat is like when you seeing them like working in the office and everything like that it's like when you see like the engineers talking about you know building the website so like you know websites are different video games but you know kind of same idea and then you know when i was when comic vine was merged with GameSpot, you know and and even when comic vine was like when i was working next to literally like right next to giant bomb guys you know so you know you get a feel for the the, the video game industry aspect and you know because game designers would come in sometime and i sat down and looked at some builds a couple times and everything like that so you know for for me is like there's like sort of connection with that as well and and then you know just understanding how you know when games are made and sequels and you know you know trying to just make money and you know glitches and everything like that so there was a, a whole lot to the movie like that that was it was just it was funny and you know it, it just it whatever you know it it worked um even though it's kind of like a Lego movie, but there is some like really funny stuff. And, and, you know, Ryan Reynolds, and I, I've always loved Ryan Reynolds or I've, I've loved them since two guys, a girl in pizza place. And I, I think I've, I've said that before and I, I can see how sometimes his humor might be a bit too much. You know, some people might be like, okay, that's, that's enough, but he's really good in here and everything. And, and you know, just, there's a lot of absurdity with the, the fact that he's in a video game and stuff like that, but there's also a lot of heart, in this movie as well. You know, there is, there is a story, there is a character cause you know, he is a good guy and you know, he wants to be a great guy or whatever. So, you know, you have all that, but then there's just some parts that are just so funny. Oh uh, man. As, and it's like, like towards the end, whatever, just, I, I, it, for that, it's like, I just, I want to see uh, again. And I was surprised. Well, actually I'm not going to say anything more like some stuff that I, I saw. Um, but it's it's just it's a good movie. It's a, it's you know it is a feel good movie. Um, is it predictable? You know maybe you can figure out certain things, but there might be some twists here or there, or whatever. You know maybe it might not go exactly the way you thought. But I just I really enjoyed it, and I I think um, you know, you should check this out if you you have a chance. Um, I I definitely you know when it comes out on Blu-ray, you know I'm, I'm going to pick it up and and you know watch it again so it's just a really enjoyable movie and i i feel like you know i said with with how things are going and i feel like this is something that we need that and it is you know it is kind of an original thing even though whatever it might be kind of like lego movie but it is does have that original you know it's not a sequel it's not a friend you know i you know i love the marvel the mcu movies but it's something that's that's separate its own thing and 
So it was just really enjoyable. And um, this is a point now where I'm just like going in circles, just rambling and gushing about it. But but in Taika Waititi, you know, because uh, recently, you know, I, I, I just watched a boy in Hunt for the Wilder People because for whatever reason, I just never saw him before. Yeah, you know, I'll straight up admit that. And uh, this movies are, you know, because I love Jojo Rabbit. I love that movie. And maybe I should watch it again when I'm done here. But um, he he's just good in this. And it's interesting, you know, just his character, just his whole delivery and his mannerism and just his whole character. So you should check this out. So see it as soon as you can. I know maybe you don't want to go into theater. Don't pirate it or anything like that. You know, wait till it comes out. Because I'm sure what's going to happen, you know, a lot of these movies are going to like on-demand digital like sooner than normal you know because people can't see it you know if they're not able to go or don't want to go to theaters so i would say as soon as you can rent the movie you know pay you know support it because this is this is just really good and i'm so glad because i think that's I, I feel like this was done before you know this was a fox thing before the the, the disney deal i could be wrong with that i don't know see um yeah, Free Guy had been in development at 20th Century Fox prior to its acquisition. It's one of the first Fox films to continue production under Disney ownership. Um, and it's it's that was the other thing. It, it starts off with the, the it's a 20th Century Fox intro logo to fanfare, but it says 20th Century Studios because that was one of the things I was like, oh man, we're not going to get you know, it's like we're not going to get that anymore, but we do still get that, so that was cool. And it's, it just doesn't say Fox, it just says 20th Century Studios. And um, there's like a couple things that that like probably couldn't have happened if this was released through Fox prior to the Disney deal. And when you see it, you'll know what exactly what I'm talking about. But the other thing is interesting, and so I wonder, you know, there's this one uh, guy that you when you see him IRL in real life, he has like a Deadpool, you know, poster, and he has like Thanos, like an Infinity War or something like posters behind him. So it's like. Was this done after the the merger? You know, did they continue and they just threw that in there or whatever? So, um, yeah. So you, you should definitely watch this because it. So as soon as you can, you know, if you can't see it in a the theater, go. I would suggest you know maybe you know if you're able to while these last few days of summer, if you have the day off or if you're going to school or whatever, try going to a matinee during the week. There might not be a whole lot of people at the theater if you're worried about being in the theater with a lot of people, or as soon as it's you know, rental on, you know, on Voodoo or Amazon or iTunes or whatever you rent, you know, rent it as soon as you can because we got to support this movie. It was a good movie, made me laugh, made me feel good. I had a smile walking out of theater and um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of like in that, that high, that buzz from, you know, watching the movie. I still feel good about it. And, you know, like I said, you know, that doesn't happen that often. So, so see the movie as soon as you can. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Catchphrase. I'll leave you with that. And on that note, uh, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and be super awesome. Be I'll give you a little little place in my heart if you you know support the show. They they are supporters on Patreon. You can be supported by going to patreon.com. I kind of messed that up. Go to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, 
you get access to the Sacred Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And currently we're talking about the Vision Quest storyline from 1989. So written and drawn by John Byrne. So you can hear all about that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three and that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck okay as far as next week um i don't think i don't know if what's coming out in the theater i think the movie feature will be reminiscence so that's the hugh jackman uh rebecca ferguson uh thandy newton um and other people movie. And um, I'm not really sure too much about it. I saw a pre I, like I heard nothing about this coming out and I saw a preview and it's like, it looks kind of, kind of freaky. Um, the premise, Nick Bannister, private investigator of the mind navigates the alluring world of the past. When his life is changed by new client may a simple case becomes an obsession after she disappears and he fights to learn the truth about her. So that um, will come out in theaters in, on August 20th. Um, it's also going to be on, on HBO Max. So I, what I've been doing lately is like when I go to my Thursday night show, I buy a ticket for the next Thursday, but they didn't have times for it um, for next week. So, but then I'm wondering, it's like you know maybe I should just watch it at home, you know, save a little bit of money. And uh, I don't know, I have to see because I, you know, I like the big screens. So I think that's going to be the big move. I don't think there's anything else coming out next week. I could be totally wrong. I need to double check. But because I, I know Candyman is coming out the following week on the 27th. So that might be the the big movie um, feature. And then, you know, it'll be more Titans, more uh, What If. Um, see, Superman and Lois, I'm totally, is, was it the season finale? No, I think there's more. Was there more? I don't remember. But there's definitely like Stargirl. And uh, there won't be Rick and Morty. I don't think I'm going to talk about Reservation Dogs. But w- whatever. You know, I always find stuff to talk about. So we have all that. Um, I, I will... I'm back to work, my day job, back to teaching um, this week. So wish me luck. And um, if you're going back to school, I wish you luck. Be safe, be careful. Um, Whatever you're doing, be safe and be careful. But uh, make sure you take care of yourself. Find some time, you know, throughout the day, throughout the week, whatever. You know, find something to have some fun, you know, to relax, do something. But... Whatever you do, make sure you remember to be good to each other.